This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. You are listening to the Voices of Wrestling podcast with your hosts, Joe Lanza. X out, go listen to some boring podcast where they're afraid of their own shadow. Okay? Don't listen to Joe Lanza because Joe Lanza's not changing. And Rich Crange. Who delivers this guy in a big spot? Joe, don't yell at me. In the big spot, who delivers better than this guy? Stop yelling at me. I agree. And we are live. Welcome once again to the Voice Wrestling Flagship Podcast. I'm Rich Crange alongside, as always, King of Banter, Mr. Joe Lanza. Joe, what's up? How are you? I'm doing well. Doing well. Um, Okay, so I had a question for you. I was recently uh, perusing my local Target, and uh, I found myself in the the you know the frozen pizza slash appetizers slash whatever aisle that that the hot pockets live, and um, I wanted to compare and contrast because you are nothing if not the expert on, on hot pockets. I, I think we can safely say that the internet's expert on hot pockets. I, I think people we now get people that will be at Target. They'll they'll tweet you. And they'll say, hey, look at the Hot Pockets. Paige was talking about Hot Pockets the other day. And people said, hey, Joe. <laughs> like, Paige is talking about Hot Pockets. Like, now it's just because half of our mentions are just Hot Pockets references. Which I don't mind. I, I, it's not bad. It's actually a pretty cool thing uh, that, that that's occurred. But uh, I was going down my aisle. And I wanted to compare and contrast my Hot Pocket aisle to yours. Because I thought, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I swore you sent a picture a few days ago. Maybe, maybe a few weeks ago, actually. Where you went to the Hot Pocket aisle at your lo- local grocery store. And that thing was, like, entirely picked over. There was, like, nothing left. Is that correct? It is the last food item in my supermarket that you still cannot purchase. Like, first it was toilet paper. Then it was bread. In some places it was milk. In my store, everything is now available with the exception of the Hot Pockets. The only Hot Pockets left... Are those awful ones we did the live review for on the show? People will not buy those. The big and bolds, correct? They will not buy the big and bolds. Yes. I have the photographic evidence to prove it on our Twitter page. Like three weeks in a row, nothing there but the big and bolds. But the rest of the hot pockets, that is correct, is the one item that I cannot purchase in my town. Now, are you sure? Now, 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 I know you don't know this, but I don't know if you've maybe talked to somebody in the you know in the inner workings of your grocery. Is are they not getting delivered, or are they getting delivered and just immediately scooped up right away? Don't know the answer to that. Because this is – you've I, gone different times, right? You don't, or, do, or do you always go on – like I always go on Thursdays at blah or whatever. Or, or is this like a completely random occurrence at this point? Now I go between Friday and Sunday at various times. One of those three days. But they just haven't had Hot Pockets since the thing started. Interesting. So I don't know what it is about Hot Pockets. Hey, there was a while there where there was no ramen. People were buying up all the ramen. Yeah, yeah. But that's actually at my at my place. The ramen is completely gone. That's uh, at my Target, and I, I shop at a few different grocery stores or whatever. But pretty much the 100 percent every grocery store I've went to, uh, ramen is gone, like completely gone. Not, not even not even a cup, not even a bag, not even a, a a drop of a flavor packet. Nothing. That shit is completely gone. Yeah, we we eventually got the ramen back. We've got everything back. I could get anything in my store now. All brands. It's not even like for a while there. Maybe you had just you know limited options in terms of brands on sure. some things, but 
Now we can get everything with the exception of Hot Pockets. <laughs> an amazing phenomenon. Cause, so I, I went to my Hot Pocket aisle, and I, I it was it was picked over in, in the sense that, like, you know, there were slim pickings. Plenty of big and bold buffalo chickens. They were, you know how, like, whatever, the, 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 the freezer goes back, I don't know, like 10 deep or whatever. Like, literally all 10 of the big and bolts. It's not even like, you know, half of the big and bolts were gone. Like, literally, they stocked the 10, and they haven't even, they don't even look like they've been touched. It didn't even look like somebody picked them up and thought, hmm, yeah, no, and put them back. Like, they look pristine. Like, they have never even, no one's even considered the big and bold buffalo uh, chicken. I wonder if we killed the big and bold, uh, the rollout well, of the big and bold. I don't know. Or they killed it because it's fucking terrible. Well, listen, my review is genuine. I'm not one of these people who is against trash food. I think trash food is fine every now and then, you know? You have these people out there like, how can you eat that? I don't eat anything but freshly organic foods that I prepare myself in my kitchen every day. Like those people are full of shit and uh, I'm not one of those people. I'll eat a trash food now and then. I've got some trash foods in my in my freezer. I think most normal people do. But Rich, it was terrible. It was really horrendous. And I think the sales, these, uh, you know, these small sample sizes in your Target and my supermarket prove that it's truly a horrendous product. I, I, I can't think that this won't be can that they're not going to just uh discontinue this thing pretty soon well i'd like to think that we had an influence on that that our our hundreds of thousands of listeners uh i think i haven't done the run the numbers in a bit but i assume it's around there um millions of millions i think actually yeah have listened to the show and and said well i am i just refuse to, <laughs> to to have this big and bold uh buffalo chicken but what is interesting though about that is I, and i looked in the aisle too and i should have taken a photo while i was i was there but i thought it'd be weird and there was like other people there and i didn't think like you know What's this idiot doing taking photos of the, the hot pocket aisle? But it's nothing that you've been ever ashamed of. But um, what was weird is the other big and bold flavors were gone because I actually went there in search of some of the other big and bold flavors. Because there's like the the, 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 what, the Philly cheesesteak one or there's some other weird ones. Well, no, I, there's, there's the elusive sriracha steak. I knew that wasn't going to happen. Yeah. Or maybe. I don't know. There was an empty. There was. So what's weird about the big and bold is it, at, at my target, there was the big and bold is in this like middle of this entire area. And there's. Two to the left and two to the right that I assume are big and bolds. I couldn't read the UPC. I wasn't quite sure. And then there's the buffalo chicken. So I'm really wondering what those other big and bolds were. I don't think they could have been the sriracha, though. That that one seems very elusive to everybody. There's three. There's the there's the buffalo chicken, which is horrendous. There's the uh, there's the uh, chicken bacon ranch. And now that had to be all gone. I did. I did. I was actually able to see a UPC code that said chick bake something. Big and bold, and I was like, or B and B, and I was like, okay, that's that one. So that's not well, it should happen. say right. It should say right on the box, like chicken bacon. Well, that ranch. was gone. It was gone. It was that's what I'm saying. Oh, Everything else, I'm saying only the big and bold was there, and I assume the other big and bold flavors were all out. The chicken bacon ranch, which I I did purchase, and and I wanted to to, to test taste test it on this show. You know what happened? TLB took them to work. Oh my god, what a unbelievable! She she was like, ooh, chicken bacon ranch. She was and she she grabbed it out of the freezer did and you took it to work. Her and tell her this is content. This is like, like this, this, that's not food for everybody. It's for us. I did it's for content. I I was like, where's the chicken bacon ranch, big and bold? She goes, oh, I took them to work. They looked good. I'm like, this is my livelihood. This is my work. <laughs> You're here. Taking taking money out of our pockets. This is flagship content. What are you doing? All right. So uh, you know, I think she just gave me a dirty look and went upstairs. But then. There's the the third one is the sriracha steak, which I'm dying to get my hands on. I can't get it in my area. Can't get it because I think that one might actually be halfway decent. Sounds decent. And yeah, so I, a few people are telling us some other stuff uh, at their their grocery stores in our chat room that are are saying that they can't get it or, or whatnot. Yeah, I, I, it seems like everything else. Um, 
of mine has, has has been back, you know, pretty easily. But yeah, the, for me, it's the ramen, and um, there's also a run on mac and cheese too. I was having a tough time finding mac and cheese, but I don't really care because for a few weeks there, there was a big run on mac and cheese. The kids eat that, and I couldn't get any. But uh, you know, the boxed macaroni and cheese. Um, but uh, yeah, everything everything's pretty much back now. But you know, it's not like I live in the middle of fucking suburb. You know, middle of fucking Chicago. I live out. You know, I, I live in a fairly big town but i'm still you know in the middle of texas so you know it's not like i don't even know what i'm trying to say i guess you would think that my supermarkets would be stocked a little yeah a little bit more popular not not a a, a huge population center or whatnot what right right what (laughs) i don't know what so the other day i was i was given a can somebody was like hey i have some extra food so here you go and i was like i don't why'd you give it to me i don't really need it or whatever but regardless i took it it's like okay no no problem it was a can of chef boyardee pre-made mac and cheese in a fucking can have you ever had this that sounds horrible. It sounds so bad. I will. I will try to have it at some point uh, when I'm. I'm very depressed. I will. Well, you uh... can't. Well, listen. It's probably bet. Listen. Here's the thing about boxed macaroni and cheese. Okay. As long as it comes with like the liquid cheese in the foil packet, it's going to be edible. Yeah. Oh, you and I have had this discussion. People got mad at us, and and I don't know why. It's ridiculous because I will not eat the powdered mac and cheese bullshit. The powdered one, you can't. It's inedible. It's it's you can't eat it. It's gross. It's, it's only hor- for it's like horrible. if you're six. It's only if you're six and under. Like you can't really eat it if you're. I, I hope you are. are do, do you give the kids the good stuff? The foil. Yeah. Goo. They won't. They won't even eat the powdered good macaroni kids. and good. cheese. Awesome. And they're toddlers, and they will turn their nose up at it, and they'll just pick at it, and you know they don't like it, and then they don't eat it. Then you gotta give them something else anyway, but you know the 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 craft deluxe, you know, and the Velveeta that come with the packaged cheese and the foil, that's edible. I mean, it's not like the first thing you grab out of the pantry if you're looking for a snack, but as a backup item in the pantry for one of those days where you haven't been shopping for ten days or whatever, maybe you're a little low on food, it's a perfectly acceptable item. Because, you know, it's edible. The problem, you know, I'll, I'll eat the whole box, like, over the course of an hour or something, if I'm just watching a game or something. You know, that that that's – but the powder, unedible. Now, yeah, the, stuff yeah. in the, the stuff in the can, it's got the cheese on it already. I think my, my gut tells me it would fall somewhere in between the horrible powder shit and, like, the uh, deluxe shit with the actual uh, – I don't want to call it actual cheese. I guess it's more like <laughs> the cheese-like substance that comes in the foil uh, packet. Yeah. yeah, but no, the, the worry that, that I have is is the mushiness of the noodles is, is really got me uh, pretty worried because like that's the good thing about the the you know the shells and cheese or the Velveeta or the the cheese-like foil substance thing that you get is that you can make the noodles pretty well. They can have a little firmness to them. You can kind of customize them a little bit. Like I know I throw some garlic on there. I'll put some sriracha. I'll put some you know paprika. Like really kind of you know jazz it up a little bit. Make it make it a decent meal and you, you know, put can it even with go simple else. with you can even go with I go sometimes with just just a little black pepper. Yeah, pepper's not a salad on and there it too. really yeah. enhances it. And and even the even the pasta quality. Yeah, with right, right. Yeah, exactly. That's the change. That that's what changes the game there. Because the, the the generic like bullshit boxed mac and cheese, like those little noodles, they suck and they're just soggy as hell. The second you get them out there, I know that they have the ones with the shapes and all that sort of stuff. That's good, but you get quality noodles in in the in the in the boxes with the foil stuff. So I don't need shapes. I'm not looking for gimmicks. I'm not looking for like Pokemon powdered mac and cheese. I don't care about that. But the, the noodle quality definitely improves with the with the with the real cheese versions too because the noodles with the powdered versions are very 
cheap noodles as well. Like you're saying, they're they're the real small thin ones, right? And they like 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 the Velveeta. You can get the shells, the shell noodles. Oh, the shells and cheese is elite. That that's the elite mac and cheese. You're living if you get those. Yeah, they hold the cheese real well because of the shell shape. That was a brilliant innovation. Plus, the shells are rigid. You know, it's like a ribbed condom almost. Like the outside is like ribbed, and that holds the cheese as well. So that was that was smart. And the craft deluxe, you get the big fat elbow noodles, right? Same theory. The cheese could actually get inside of that shit. So it's even the noodle quality improves. But uh, but uh, what were you talking about? The canned one. Um, were you talking about the canned? I was. One? Yeah, I, I was worried about the canned, the, the mushiness of the canned one, and, and what the noodles are going to be like in this canned mac and cheese. Yeah, I, I feel like it's going to fall between the other two. I don't think it's going to be as good. I think it's going to be, uh, but I think it's going to be better than the powdered. I think it'll be better than the powdered. Well, I'll let you know. I'll, I'll have it sometime soon. And, and How can you get worse? That's like one of the worst foods you could eat is oh, the powdered terrible. macaroni yeah, and cheese. Yeah, yeah, The other problem with it, too, is it takes like 19 different ingredients. You have to have milk. Yeah, and I never have milk. I, we never have milk. And the, and the milk that we do have at our house, like I, I don't, like Michelle doesn't drink milk. So it, it's really only me. And most of the times I get like almond milk or I get something fun. You can't make that. You can't make that mac and cheese with anything besides like regular, like whole milk or 2% milk or whatever. And I'm like, I have to get out of here. Gotta get, I have to give you butter and I have to give you milk. Get out of here. Give me a foil pack with all that shit in there. Come on. Now it's a whole process. Yeah, now, right. Now I'm making a recipe. Uh, what am I doing here? Yeah, at this point, to... I'll make something good. Like, I'm not gonna, you know, I want to just boil noodles and throw the shit in here and call it a day. Yeah, they don't, don't have me cutting butter and yeah. topping all, you know, getting the measuring spoons out to find how much milk I got to put in this shit. Get out of here. Exactly. Now I'm measuring a stick of butter. Now I'm like, what's a quarter cup of butter look like? Like, now I'm measuring and I'm trying to figure this out all for what? A horrible meal I'm not going to like anyway. So it's just a fail all around. It's a terrible, terrible meal. And then at that point, it's not even as cheap as you think. Because now you're using milk and butter and all this other bullshit. Yeah. They should just – why do they even have that? Like the other stuff's not even that much more money. Like the powdered stuff is like, what, a dollar? Yeah, I've long wondered why, why it even exists anymore. The, um, and the, the other one's like $2. So what the fuck is the di- – why on earth wouldn't you buy the other one? Oh, boy. Um, all right. <laughs> so that is that. I just wanted to check in on the Hot Pocket, see where, where everyone's at Hot Pocket-wise. But, um, yeah, so the, 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 the Sriracha, what is it? Because maybe we can get our listeners to try to keep an eye out for those. The Sriracha steak is the one that I cannot track down. Now, when I say track down, you have to understand, I've gone to the same supermarket. <laughs> yeah, by track down, you mean it's not at the place that I go to every single week. Yeah. It's the only place I've gone to that isn't my house in the last two months is the same supermarket that I go to every week. So track down is used, you know, with air quotes, you know, so they might have it like a half a mile away in another supermarket. But I I just go to the same supermarket every week. You know, I figure if I haven't caught the thing from that one, why press my luck? I'll just stick with the same store. You know, why expose myself to a new batch of fucking workers and a different batch of shoppers? I just stick with what I know. So I'm like a squirrel. You ever hear that thing they say where like a, if a squirrel is 75% across the street and gets scared, it won't keep going. It'll Its instinct is to turn around and yeah. go back. Mm-hmm. Oh, I, yeah. Because <laughs> I'm one of these weirdos that will slam on the brake. Because like the idea of, of running over a squirrel horrifies me to no end. Yeah. I've done it once before, and I would like—I I still think about killing that squirrel one time, and I'm like, God damn it! Like, and I knew it, like, but he—he he, he did that thing where he like, you know, jukes me, and I'm like, All right, are you going? Or are you go-? and then I think he's going away, and then he goes back, and it's like, Oh my god! And I ran him over and felt bad, but yeah, I, I slam on the brakes and watch these guys, and yeah, it's just like they're a step away from going to the other side, and then they run to the back, and you're like, All right, that's fine, I get it. And their little 
dopey squirrel brain because they're stupid. They they most of the time they turn around and go back because they go to the last place that they knew was safe. They don't know. They're not positive that it's completely safe if they keep and they're already shook. So they turn around and go back. That's me. It probably is illogical, but the supermarket I go to every week has worked out pretty well over the last eight weeks. So I'm not fucking around with a different supermarket, you know, especially not for a sriracha steak hot pocket. You know, I just stick with what I know and hope for the best. But I think at this point, I'm never getting this fucking thing. It's a shame. Yeah, it's 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 an elusive. Well, maybe we can call the uh, the Nestle Corporation and get one sent over to you. So they should sponsor the show. Honestly, really should. But I mean, right. they get more airtime than the sponsor. <laughs> I was gonna they say, like... they should start paying up. <laughs> Poor ZipRecruiter gets, you know, two minutes and we get four and 15 on that pocket. So. Do we have ZipRecruiter this week? We don't week? this week. We don't. So they they should have paid up. They would have gotten more. So, I mean, honestly, how many of our listeners are taking advantage of that ZipRecruiter offer? Yeah, to that's a tough one. Yeah. Search out boys. Well, they're, they're, there's a chance you won't be hearing many more ZipRecruiter ads on this or really that's any good. other uh, podcast uh, moving that's forward. So, yeah. Uh, how many how many business magnates are listening yeah, to the voice? Yeah, well, not many. Well, I think uh, I think also uh, the old ZR having a little issues there in in the corporate HQ as well because well, well, we got I an mean, email that said, "Yeah, I don't think anybody works for that company anymore." So, and anyway, who's hiring? I mean, exactly. Yeah. What are they, I mean, yeah, not not a great time to have a job board website right now. So, well, it's always good to start off by burying a sponsor. That's <laughs> right? A former sponsor, I guess. It just, they're not officially a former sponsor yet, but uh, no, they're not. But we're uh, ZipRecruiter.com/slash VOW. I think is the uh, the link there. If you are a business magnate, you're looking to <laughs> yeah. hire. Put up a job board right now. <laughs> right. And there is you it go. Slash VOW your... or is it Voices? Yeah, it's slash VOW. Yeah, there you go. Doesn't well, matter. That's your first job in minutes. There you go. Who cares? We got to invoice them on that one. Um, all right, Joe. Before we get to uh, the topics of the day. Uh, ratings did just come out for the uh, NXT AEW. Do you want to touch on those real quick? Ah, fuck it. Let's hear them. I, mean, I got them in front know. of me. All right, here you go. You ready? All right, yeah. Let me get my pen. Okay. My I want to hear a click. Pen. Is this a click pen or a, a, a cap? All right, pen? hold on. Well, well, shh, quiet. I'm going to do the Chelsea Green. Shh. Okay, now listen. Nice. Ooh, that's a good one. Did you pick up that click? That's a good pen, yeah. What kind uh, of yeah, pen you got there? I got, I got a nice pen here, too. See? This is a... Uh, I got a pilot and G2. This is an arrow pen. I arrow. believe it was uh, seven or eight bucks, so it's a quality pen. <laughs> Damn, that's not, not a bank giveaway. Does the TLB steal uh, steal uh, pens pretty often? You know, she she doesn't, and she it should. annoys me. <laughs> they have good pens. She's to steal them all. I'm like, I'm always looking for pens, so I bought this really expensive pen, which is my official Voice of Wrestling notebook pen, when I write down the matches and, and all my notes. But you know, so that pen, no one's allowed to touch. Every other pen in the house obviously disappears within a day. I'm like, why don't you just grab a handful of pens from this bank of yours and uh, and we'll be set. She's such she's one of these. She's such a goody goody. Like she doesn't want to take pens from the bank. Like you should have saw during the uh, during the toilet paper uh, shortage uh, a month back or whatever. She uh, she was a naughty girl, Rich. She brought home a toilet paper roll yes. from the bank. Oh, no. And you should have seen her bring it in into the house. Like it was like she was OJ Simpson carrying <laughs> yeah, a She's under a trench coat. Like yeah, she'll meet like, me halfway. <laughs> like, come on. She's got it buried under her arm and she's I'm like, what do you got there? I'm like, what are you hiding? 
She's like, I got a roll of toilet paper. I took it from the bank. She's like, don't tell anyone. I'm like, who am I going to tell? Right. What do you mean? Don't tell anyone. Like, like it's not a call big the deal. bank CEO. Hi, sir. I have a crime yeah. report at your, at one of your locations. One of your employees may have stolen a roll of toilet paper. <laughs> like, what do you mean? Like, don't tell anyone was the first, like, like you serious right now. But, uh, yeah, she won't take the pens from her. Where I, I don't understand it. You figure the other thing too is is you got to understand customers steal the pen every time unless right. it's on the, unless it's on the chain gimmick. You ever see the chain? Oh, the chain. And those are the worst up? pens. The ones that are on the chains are garbage. I don't want to steal those ones anyway. Right, but like because now they don't have the bank lobby open. Everything is operating through the drive-through, right? Yes. So. You don't have the pens attached to the chain gimmick. You don't have that. You just have to put the pen in the fucking vacuum gimmick, you know, and it fucking shoots over to the car. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. They never get the pen back. (laughs) And you can't ask for it, right? Because the guy's already driving away or whatever, so. No, we had this long conversation because I wanted to get to the bottom of this. I asked her to put a percentage on what percentage of pens come back on a given, on an average Wednesday. And the number was staggering. She says it's like 10% of the pens come back. She's saying, and I'm like, what you're saying is 9 out of 10 pens are not coming back. That seems high to me. Doesn't that seem high to you? It does seem like a little bit more. I would assume that like if 50% maybe don't come back. But the idea that like, yeah, like 9 out of 10 people steal it is is pretty wild. I don't, uh, that seems aggressive. Like I, I have by mistake stolen a few, never like really intentional, but yeah, it's gotta be for me. It's, I don't know, 90% of the time I return the pen or whatnot. She, I can't believe that that no. many people are driving away with it. She swears. Now, now I think a bit of that is inflation due to her frustration. Cause she's, she's in the, she's like in the muck, like it's her pens that are being stolen. So she's probably cursing and muttering every time someone steals a pen. It's probably closer to 70 or 80%. But to me, that's still high. I thought maybe, 20, 30% of the people would be stealing the pen. Right. I right. don't think people even do it on purpose. I think you just, you fill out your document, you sign your check or whatever, you send it back. And then when you're halfway around the block, you realize that you've got the bank's pen and you're not going to go back. Right. I, I think a lot of people, what the, what are we doing here? Let's do the, <laughs> let's, let's do the, You know, the other thing that's happening, like they're doing everything out of the drive through. So like, they're like, and when I say everything rich, it's not some clown, you know, bringing his paycheck to deposit. It's everything. They're doing, like, business loans. Yeah, like big business transactions, yeah, and that sort of stuff, which is nuts, because, like, I used to have to do that for one of my jobs, and we would we would bring, like, an ungodly amount of money in a bag to, <laughs> to the, you know, to the bank, and I was, I was always worried about it, like, you know, on the way there, because, yeah, it would be, like, especially around, like, Christmas time or whatever, it, it was, like, I mean, there was a lot of cash being, you know, cha- yeah, it'd be kind of wild to, like, put that through a drive through and just kind of be like, okay, here you go. <laughs> like, I don't no, know. I don't, think, I don't think you understand. Like, that's even normal business. What I'm saying is you're doing everything to the drive-thru. Like, people are pulling up to the drive-thru window because what she does is, like, she does, like, loans and stuff. She's not a teller. She oh, does like- okay. Oh, my God. <laughs> people, people will come to the drive-thru, and this is in rural Texas, okay? She doesn't work in College Station. She works out on some rural – I'm not going to say where because people are psychopaths. Yeah, yeah. So she, she – so you'll have, like – you know, Farmer John pull up in his fucking 1969, you know, uh, Ford pickup, and I'll be like, "What can I? What can I do? To, how can I help you, Farmer John?" And Farmer John will be like, "Yeah, I'm looking for a business loan. I want to build another uh, barn, so I'm looking for 1.5 to two million dollars. Like that kind of shit is coming through the drive-through. 
So then they're doing like loan applications oh, and <laughs> and meanwhile there's cars like building up behind. Right? But they have no choice because they're doing everything through this drive-thru, which only has two windows on top of everything else. So and that's not a quick process. Oh, <laughs> so like dude that just wants to deposit his check or, or, or get some cash and, and the ATM line is too long, he's gotta wait behind Farmer Bill then. Correct. Oh like if God! He, While Farmer Bill looks looks over a loan document, <laughs> right? While they're trying to do like the same thing you would do if you went in the bank and sat in the office, and you're in there for you know forty five minutes an hour, you know s- s- filling out a loan application. They're doing everything through the drive through. So if you're the unlucky fucking sap who gets in line behind that guy, and then people get in line behind you, you're stuck. Now you're stuck and you're waiting there. So there's people like holding down the horn. It's it's a madness. You know, these are her de- – and then she comes home and, you know, I, I don't blame her. But then she's all aggravated when she comes home because she's been dealing with that all day. And then the next person in line is just like withdrawing $40. And they, <laughs> <Right>. waited, <laughs> and they waited an hour to do it, you know. So, yeah, the, 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 the bank situation's a mess. I have thankfully uh, not had to go to a bank. I've, I've just, yeah, I've stayed away from all banks and everything like that. So I, I, I didn't know you, they were, yeah, they were running loans and shit like that. It's nuts. Yeah, they've shut down no services, but they're doing everything through the drive-thru. It's fucking yeah, wild. That's, that's insane. All right, let's, let's get to these ratings here. So you got the pen. It's clicked. Um, yeah. Joe, you want to uh, pat yourself on the back here a little bit? I know you're never one to, to shy away from that, but uh, you earlier this week said, hey, I think UFC might hurt AEW and NXT, and everybody's like, no, it's on ESPN+, Plus, you idiot. That's not going to happen. It's yeah. ESPN+. Plus. Well, AEW, 654,000 total viewers, okay. 0.23, 15th in the demo. Okay. That's bad. And what we get for That's NXT? Uh, NXT, uh, the olds, they stuck around a little bit, 604, 604,000. Yeah, demo, demo. Uh, demo point one five forty sixth in the demo. Okay, so um, here's my takeaway from this, and this is uh, f- content that's usually behind the paywall, but we'll do it here. Um, that's a significant drop in the demo for AEW, and honestly, I you know, I think some of that may have been UFC, but I think I, I didn't I didn't think the show was very good last night. Um, I think it was a lot of. Uh, uh, long matches that weren't very good. Um, you know, the matches weren't terrible, but I didn't think there was anything special about any of the matches last night. Um, I just thought it was, to me, it was the least interesting episode of dynamite, probably this calendar year since they really turned the corner. Um, it was firmly to me, just a show, a five out of 10 average show. So I think that has just as much to do with it than potentially, uh, the UFC factor. But um, that's a huge demo drop. NXT, I mean, there's really nothing to take from that. They're right where they've been the last, you know, four or five, six weeks. Yeah, those 56-year-olds, they, they love their NXT, man. <laughs> They'll show up every single week. They don't give a shit what else is on. So. Well, the one thing is they promised DX. And, you know, obvious, that was an obvious uh, ratings uh, maneuver there. Um, even though they were only on the show for, for three or four minutes, to, you know, announcing the in-your-house thing. So... I don't know what that quarter did, but overall, it didn't seem to make a difference because 0.15 is still an atrocious. Mm-hmm. They have to fix that. That's atrocious. It's like, you know, again, I talk about this behind the paywall, but in the beginning of all of this, it was like, okay, well, the ratings don't mean much because everything's in disarray. But now we're, we're two months into this, and this is the new reality. So we have to stop saying that ratings don't matter 
or, you know, uh, because this is our reality now. And until the thing is over, which there's no end in sight, we now have to judge these shows and these companies on what's happening now in our new reality. And demo numbers in the mid-teens are not going to cut it. It's just it's 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 those are horrendous numbers. And for AEW, they were making a lot of progress. They were slowly crawling back to a point three. And honestly, if you know, I talked about it last week. If they would have hit a point three, you know, if they would have gotten back to point three in the pandemic, that would have been incredible because they were the only show going up while all the WWE shows are trending downward. So that really tells you a lot. But this week is a big blow, and whether it was UFC or the fact that it just wasn't a very interesting show, which I don't think it was. I mean, your main event was Brody Lee versus Christopher Daniels. That's rich. That's not a great main event. That's a middle of the show match. That was their main event last. Yeah. Night. I thought, I thought it was a little bit better show than you did, but it wasn't exactly like a blow away show. I, I, I mentioned, I think the word I use is breezy. Like it was an easy two hours to get through, but nothing was all that important and nothing. It was it, what I mean by that mostly is that it's like nothing really stood out to you. I didn't think anything was like truly bad except for like the Matt Hardy shit. But for the most part, the rest of it was just kind of there. And again, nothing really, really bad, but nothing really, really great either. Like I, I won't remember this episode ever again. Well, I didn't think it was a bad show. I just thought it was a show. Yeah, right. And, and it, it, you know, it wasn't good. It wasn't bad. Um, there was a Jericho segment, a long Jericho segment. You got to get him on the show. There was no Cody. Um, well, well, I guess there was. Yeah, very briefly, briefly. There was. Actually, they opened with Cody, so I can't even say that. It just, uh, no, it was. So there really wasn't anybody missing who has, you know, been on, other than people who've been missing because of the thing like the bucks and stuff like that. But, um, so you can't really point to that, I guess. I don't know. I just didn't think the show was very interesting. And I don't know how many people subscribe to ESPN plus all my, my, all I know is over the weekend, the UFC prelims did over a million viewers did a monster number. And they did 700,000 pay-per-view buys. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I mean, it's I mean, anybody with a brain that that could think for 10 seconds knew that like even on ESPN Plus or whatever, which I has a lot of people. I mean, ESPN Plus, ESPN Plus has a lot of people if you have Disney Plus. Mo, and most people that don't have kids probably have Disney Plus. A lot of them you get ESPN Plus with it or whatnot, a lot of the packages. So, it made sense. And like let's let's be honest. A lot of AEW fans, we talk about this all the time and and, and you hammer at home every single week on the Thursday TV reviews, voicewrestling.com slash Patreon as well, is that NXT fans are wrestling and WWE NXT fans. They're they're older, and they'll just watch no matter what. No matter what the hell else is going on in the world, they're going to show up every Monday, show up every Friday, show up every Wednesday. They're going to watch their, 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 their shows. They're going to watch their wrestling or whatever. AEW fans are, they'll move, you know, and, and I have to believe, and, and we don't, we don't know. Maybe we'll get those ESPN, ESPN plus numbers eventually from USC, but like the normal AEW fan to me seems like somebody that would say, Hey, you know what? Yeah. UFC hasn't been around in a while. Yeah. I'll, I'll check that out. Like they strike me as that. Like I think next week we have NASCAR coming up against AEW, which again, people are going to say, Oh, NASCAR, who gives a shit about NASCAR? But like, I think we're going to see it again because I think those types of fans, those ones that are, you know, exist in the actual real world, are looking for alternatives outside of just empty arena wrestling. Even if even if they enjoy AEW, hey, cool, you know what? I haven't seen NASCAR in a while. Let's go see this. It's live sports. It's real. It's happening. Let's go check that. Or hey, UFC. I have ESPN Plus. Why not? Why not just check it out? Like I really do think that those fans, and and you mentioned as well, and there's statistical evidence of it too, that those fans do bounce around a little bit more. And if there is something else on TV, they're going to go check it out. Whereas NXT fans are just there every single week, no matter what. Yeah, I mean, I was making that point months and months ago, and now everybody is has caught up to that point. It's just the trends were obvious from the start, 
that the eight, your typical dynamite viewer is more likely to go check something else out that's going on in the culture, whether it's political or sports or, um, you know, another big television event, an award show. The, the, the trends are there. They're right there. Um, you know, whereas that kind of stuff doesn't affect NXT to nearly the same level. So, um, you know, yeah, I do think, you know, uh, what Saturday showed is there is heavy interest in a return of uh, UFC. And I think that bodes well for the other sports that are thinking about returning. I think if the NBA or Major League Baseball return, I think they're going to do gargantuan numbers. Oh, absolutely. Yes. If, if, If the NBA runs on a Wednesday... Anytime in the near future, they're gonna fucking destroy. These wrestling shows are dead. They're dead. I mean, they'll be. I, I honestly, honestly, truthfully believe they'd be in the four hundreds. Yeah, I mean, and UFC is kind of UFC. This past Saturday is kind of the test case for that, you know. Um, but you know, I I think you know a return of any of the big, you know, big you, you know, an NFL comes back if they run back on schedule, and we're still sort of under this or. Major League Baseball or MB, they're going to do huge numbers. Yeah, I'm really curious about NASCAR next weekend. That, that'll be really, really. I think it's going to do well. Yeah. I think the NASCAR is going to do well. The dopey e racing did pretty good. I don't know how i racing Joe. <laughs> it's called i racing. No, Whatever I, the fuck. It should I, be e racing. I know. I know. I don't know how people can sit there and watch video game racing. I have no clue. But it shows you the thirst. So when the real racing comes back, you would think that the real racing is going to destroy the video game racing numbers. And the video game racing numbers were pretty good. So I'm with you. I think the NASCAR race is going to do very well. And again, if if history is any indication, it's going to hurt Dynamite more than it's going to hurt NXT. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm right with you there. Isn't there, when is the survivor finale or did that happen already uh i don't know yeah people are saying that survivor had was on this week i don't know if it was the finale or not whatnot but it had 7.5 million people watching it so um yeah that that was going to take a trend again if that finale was this week and i should be on top of that but if this were the tv reviews i would be i just i didn't expect i sprung this on you yeah yeah but but if that finale was this week i mean that took a chunk too there's no doubt stuff like that always hurts dynamite always I just think the Dynamite viewers are more inclined to just watch it later on DVR if something else is going on that they perceive as being bigger. Or it's just I think people perceive wrestling as something that doesn't have to be in the mo. You can watch wrestling on DVR, whereas people are less apt to go back and watch a live sport on DVR. Sure. Or, 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 and if they're going to watch something like a Survivor finale, they want to watch that with the camaraderie of social media and tweet about it. And, and that has changed the dynamic too. You know, you don't want to watch the Game of Thrones finale six days later. You want to be part of the conversation, right? So it's like there's more of a priority where this is just a run-of-the-mill episode of Dynamite. Um, and, and, you get, and, you, and you can talk about Dynamite with your friends on Twitter next week. You can't talk about the Survivor finale next week on Twitter. So there's all those factors too. So it's just all those things have hurt Dynamite from the start. Politics too have hurt Dynamite. Oh yeah, the new shows are 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 doing well. Actually, the the demo leader in cable uh, was the challenge on MTV. That one's doing really well as of late. The yeah. demo I think was point four nine or whatever. Um, but even before the thing, when like Trump was having his the impeachment hearings and everything, that would hurt Dynamite. And it yeah, hurt yeah, anything. exactly. Right, right. You know, so that trend is there, and and I know that um, other people like Dave Meltzer for sure has jumped on that bandwagon in the last couple of weeks. Um, you know, he picked up on that trend, but um, I've been talking about it from the start. You know, so that there could have been some of that this week, but there's a big blow for them because they were, I was talking last week about how they were almost back to point three, which 
you know, they still want to live a little closer to point four under normal circumstances, but I think getting to a point three, considering where all the WWE shows are at trending downward and they were trending upward would have been huge for them. But now this is a big step backwards. Now next week is the final build for double or nothing. So you think they'd have a loaded show and that presumably would do a bigger number, or at least they hope would do a bigger number. But again, you got that NASCAR race. Yeah. Yeah. That's going on at seven thirty, uh, uh, from, you know, the big directly head to head. Yeah. So that, that's going to be, I mean, I cannot wait to see what those numbers are. And that's FS one too. So we'll see uh, what it is. It's not on, you know, regular cable. It's on FS one. So that'd be a really cool way to see, um, the thirst of, of, you know, fans for real, you know, wrestling or real, real sports and active sports or whatnot versus, you know, empty arena wrestling. I'll be fascinated to see, uh, what that does. Uh, yeah, directly head to head next Wednesday. So, so patreon.com slash voices of wrestling, $5 tier. If you subscribe, you can hear everything I just said again about four or five <laughs> hours from now. With some additional so, insights too, you know. It I, was the survivor. It was a survivor finale. Apparently, a three-hour survivor finale was was last yeah. night. Yeah. So. Okay, so that's good for them because you got that out of the way. You got the UFC out of the way. Next week, all they have to contend with is the NASCAR race. So, and who knows? Maybe people are right. A lot of people are saying the NASCAR will hurt NXT more because they feel like there's more crossover between the WWE fans and the NASCAR fans. I, I understand that logic. I don't know if I buy into it, though. I, I Right. I, you know, so we're going to find out, though, next week. But it, it, honestly, I think getting hit with the Survivor finale and the UFC all in one shot this week is better for them because they'd rather do a bigger number next week because they're trying to sell a pay-per-view. So, and if people are right, and there's not a ton of crossover between the AEW viewers and the NASCAR viewers, they should get back to that point two five, point two six range at minimum for the go home show, which is the more important show anyway. All right, let's uh, let's talk uh, some other WWE stuff here. Uh, plenty of news going on. Uh, do you want to start? We got the we got the Becky Lynch announcement. We got the brand split. And we also have Joe WWE Money in the Bank 2020, including. Uh, Mr. and Mrs. Money in the Bank. Where uh, where did you want to start? Uh, do you want to go with the news first or, or, or jump into the review of uh, Old Money in the Bank 2020? I guess we should do Becky first and then review Money in the Bank and then talk about the Money in the Bank fallout, which is the brand split stuff and everything. So why don't we do it like that? Yeah, let's do that. So Becky obviously announces on Raw that uh, she is relinquishing the, the women's title. Asuka, by virtue of winning the uh, Money in the Bank briefcase the night prior, is now the champion. And Becky is pregnant, so she is going away for a while, obviously, to uh, be pregnant and have a child. And I think the real question for me, and I know a lot of people have, have, have you know, talked about all this in the moment. And, and to me, I don't really – whatever. You know, she's gone and she's not coming back and, and whatever. But, like, long term, I think let, – let's talk about that because I think you and I can probably do a better job than most people at this. Is she ever coming back? <laughs> like, is she ever going to be an active full-time wrestler ever again? I, I kind of think no. I, you know, I, I could easily see her not coming back full time. Um, the, the thing is, she clearly loves wrestling, so there's that factor. But The Rock loved wrestling. Yeah, and he grew up in it. I mean, God, he felt like the biggest lifer that ever was a lifer. And then the second he got an opportunity to leave, he was gone. And he's come back sporadically. You know, when things seemed interesting for him. You know, the Cena, th- the three year Cena feud. 
was something he thought was interesting. So he, he participated in that. And, but it, you're talking coming back full time and he obviously has never come back. Right, right, right. Full time. But the, but the counter to that is the rock became the biggest star on the planet. He's arguably the biggest star in entertainment on the entire planet. Becky Lynch is not going to be the biggest star in entertainment on the entire planet. No, right no, no. She may have hired the Rock's agent. She might be trying to get movie roles. She might be talking to the right people and, and doing that sort of stuff. But, yeah, I don't think anybody in the universe would think that she's ever going to get to the level of, of, A, the Rock, you know, the biggest entertainer, in, you know, like you said, biggest movie star in the world, or even like a, a Batista type, too. I mean, that would be, I think, a, a you know, if she could, that'd be you know, obviously great for her. But, like, even that feels unattainable right now. But I don't know. You never know. I didn't. I wouldn't have said that about Batista back in the day too, when when he started dabbling into acting either. So, look, I don't know. All I know is she's not going to be The Rock. So it's it's harder for The Rock to come back because it's like, do I go back and wrestle and make a lot of money, or do I make these three movies and make you know fifty million dollars per movie? It's it's not even close. It, it, the decision is made for him. You know, he still found time to come back and do part time stuff because because he does love it, but. Um, so I don't know. I mean, I, 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 you know, obviously I think she'll wrestle again. I don't think it's oh, the last sure. time yeah, she's ever going to wrestle. And I guess it depends how it all goes for her. You know, she gets the right role or she gets the acting bug or whatnot, and she might lose interest in wrestling. Um, but especially, you know, don't forget the reason she's leaving. I mean, she's having a child. So right, she wants- right. And, 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 and I think people that are saying, oh, yeah, well, once she has a kid, she'll be right back and, and go and stuff. It's like, all right, well, somebody has to watch this child. You know what I mean? Like, you can't be, you know, her husband or, you know, soon-to-be husband is going to be Seth Rollins. And, you know, presumably. <laughs> so I'm just joking. But, like, both of them are not going to be full-time on the road wrestling and also raising a, a, a newborn. I mean, we've seen couples that do that, but we've also seen couples where – that they don't do that and one of them does quit um but but that's the other thing like she wants to have a family and it's not and sometimes it's not even a matter of who's going to care for the child it's a matter of i'd rather care for exactly right right you know i you know it's like you start a family and you're like i don't want to be on the road because i want to raise my children i want to be in my children's lives seven days a week and acting makes that a little easier because maybe i'll have a project that'll eat up a month of my time or maybe I'll have a project that'll eat up two months or two weeks of my – whatever the case. But it's not eating up all of my time where I'm only home one and a half days or two and a half days a week or whatever. And you know I can be in my child's or my children's lives. Well, if she decides I have another one. You know, it's, like, you know, it's like maybe you know, it changes your perspective and maybe it, it's not a matter of who's going to do this, but I want to do this. So there's that factor too. Um, you know, which I think really was the thing with uh, with uh, with Bella, right? Daniel Bryan's uh, wife. I mean, she's you know she's never gonna yeah she's she's home raising children. Yeah, exactly. You know? and, and he has even spoken about that. You know, uh, you know, with with the more limited schedule he had before all of this and everything, and and wanting to be home, you know, raising his kids or whatever. So that that changes the game too. So do I think we're we're gonna see full time? Becky Lynch ever again I mean the chances are decent that the answer is no yeah it, it's it's well I mean we'll obviously see what's going to happen but yeah it is it's it's a interesting discussion and I think you know in, in in that company as well I do wonder what you know someone like a Vince McMahon is thinking about 
uh, all this, which is, you know, it seems kind of perverse to say like that he wouldn't be like, oh, it's great, you know, have fantastic. But like, we know Vince McMahon, <laughs> you know, like he, and this isn't the first time that he's gotten upset, or this wouldn't be the first time I should say that he would have gotten upset at somebody for getting pregnant or getting injured or getting a concussion or doing that. Like he, he exists not in the real world. He exists in the world that he's created, his own little universe, his own little play toys or whatnot. And once somebody, you know, breaks from that or, or goes away or has something else that happens in the real world, like he either sometimes will just completely forget about you he'll hate you he'll 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 never i the, you, the word i use is trust and that we've heard that from guys that got hurt like like a Dolph ziggler there was many years where it felt like Dolph ziggler was on the cusp of being like the next big star but then he had a bunch of concussion issues and and people internally said that vince just stopped trusting him fandango another guy who, who was getting pushed a bunch had a concussion vince just stopped trusting him i, I obviously uh what was she in, in in wwe was she karma or amazing kong whatever she karma right was her name in in, yes. uh, in WWE, yeah, so they bring her in, she's a huge deal right off the bat, she's getting squash matches, they're pushing the hell out of her, they're, you know, she looks like she's on the trajectory to be the biggest women's star, she gets pregnant, they've never touched her since then, they've never even once, never, ever went back uh, to that well ever again, and I'm not saying that Becky is on the same level as those people, and I'm not saying Vince is as, you know, maniacal as he may have been in, in, in past years, but to me, it it, it makes it, I, I know that guy, we've been covering this guy a lot, if, if you watch WWE wrestling, if you follow this stuff, you know what Vince McMahon thinks and what he kind of does. And I have to imagine internally, he's probably not super happy that his women's champion relinquished the title and was going away for, you know, eight plus months, eight, nine, 10 months, whenever she's feels like she's ready to come back. Like he, he can't be happy about that. That's just not the way that he is. That's just not the way he operates. Well, I think it's a little more complicated. I think that he could be happy for the individual or individuals in this case, since both parents work for him. But Let's not forget that Ronda Rousey left, presumably, to start a family as well. Yeah. And you're talking about the two main eventers from WrestleMania last year. And, well, two out of three. I, you, you yeah. got shoehorned. <laughs> yeah, sure. You Charlotte. Yeah, well, yeah. Well, yeah. You got to shoehorn Charlotte. Yeah, for sure. But we, we know what was driving the bus there. Yeah. The, the other two. Um, and I don't, you know, I don't, I don't think, or I would like to think, that he wouldn't be vindictive towards either of them specifically for being pregnant or wanting to be pregnant. Whereas some of the other people you mentioned through concussion or pregnancy, they weren't huge stars. So they, once they were gone for a while, they were out of sight, out of mind, and he lost interest, right? I don't think that would be the case with a Becky Lynch or a Ronda Rousey. I think it, when either were ready to come back or wanted to come back, he wouldn't lose interest in them because they're big stars, especially Rousey. So they would immediately get the same level of push. But what I do think could happen here now that he's lost Rousey and Lynch is he could be, I could easily see him being like, well, listen, there's this extra factor with the women's wrestlers. Mm -hmm. And maybe we shouldn't invest the same amount of time and effort that we have. Cause I, I've lost my two biggest stars to pregnancy or wanting to start families. So I can totally see him either subconsciously or very much consciously putting less effort into the women in general because it's it's because it, it, it's too unpredictable in right, terms of right, right. When to him, going and to, again, this is us this is <laughs> I don't think this way. Joe doesn't think this way for the record. But yeah, I could see him, Vince McMahon, thinking well, these women have a shelf life and I want people that can be stars forever. You know, they never go away. They're always going to be here for me type stuff. And that, as, as horrible as that a, is. 
it, not even just a, a, a long shelf life, but just it can happen anytime. Right. Like I could be in the middle of an enormous push or a big story or building to something and they can either decide they want to start a family or just get pregnant. That happens, Rich. You know, and it's like and that and, and I could totally see him being the type of person, again, either subconsciously or otherwise, thinking, Well, I have to be careful and protect myself against that. And maybe this whole women's revolution thing that you know, when Stephanie McMahon invented women's wrestling, what year did she invent women's wrestling? Uh, I believe that was 2015 or, 2015 or 2016 is when she invented it, yes. So maybe he's like, hey, we've done five years of this, and I, and, and I, I lost my top two stars to this, and who's to say that Charlotte uh, doesn't want to start a family with Andrade around the corner, and maybe his wheels are turning, and he's like, I just, you know, so we just, I can't go, I don't trust any of this enough to go full steam ahead with a top women's star ever again. Do I find that plausible? Fuck yeah, I do. I, I can. Can't you see him thinking in that manner? Because I definitely. Oh, a hundred percent, absolutely, yeah. And, that, and that's kind of why I brought the question up uh, as well. It's it's you know there, there is the factor of I can't trust you anymore, quote unquote, which is a, a little bit more of the that's a little bit more cynical, and a little bit more negative, but also like you said, the subconscious of like, well, you know what, they're. they're the term I don't want to. The term isn't unreliable, but just the fact that I can't always guarantee that you're going to be for me. Unpredictable. I don't know what's ahead. I don't know if in two weeks something's going to come up, and I need to plan a story out six months or whatever. I mean, he's a wrestling promoter. I mean, this is what he's done. This is the world that he lives in. He doesn't live in a real world. He doesn't live in the world where where where, where you know other things exist, but his little universe and his little show or whatever. So yeah, to him, it's like you as an asset. You're an unpredictable asset to me. Whereas, you know, men are not. I know what I'm going to get from them every time, barring injury or whatnot. Even then, he gets pissed off and stuff. It's, hey, just, listen, it's you weird. Can, and you can even cut promos and even work with injuries. You cannot bump if you're pregnant. You know, you cannot have a baby and come back to work a week later. It's a long-term thing. She's going to be gone 14, 15 months. You know, and, and that's, you know, as fast as everything changes, even outside of, COVID and the thing, I mean, 14, 15 months is an eternity in pro wrestling. So, um, yeah, I mean, you know, I, it's, I, I definitely think that this is with, with someone that thinks the way he does, you know, I, it could be, it could turn out to be bad for the women's division as a whole. Um, I don't think it would turn out bad for Becky Lynch or Ronda Rousey even specifically. Cause I think they're big enough stars where it does not matter. You know, if Becky, the day Becky Lynch comes back, she's going to get the same push that she was getting when she left. Um, you know, if it was Dana Brooke, probably not. Um, but, you know, that's no different than when Dolph Ziggler gets a concussion and they give up on him for a year and a half. Right. They're just not big enough stars to where once someone like that is out of sight, out of mind, whether it's fair or not, you got to earn your shit back because they've moved on to other people and you're just not important enough you know, in his eyes to, to just slot right back where you were. Right. Very rarely in that company. Once you get to the main event state these days, you don't usually fall back ever. You just go away. You, you know what I mean? Like when you come back or when, whatever you do, you stay in the top, top tier for the most part. Maybe you have a few months, maybe a little bit, but you're, you're pretty much a star from there on out. So yeah, the idea, like, I'm not saying that Becky's going to come back and they're gonna be like, all right, here, you're in a six man tag with, you know, Sony to fill in Mandy Rose or whatever. Like, I don't think that's the case, but um, yeah, it'll, it'll be interesting to see. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty fascinated what ends up happening with her, but yeah, he's, he's pretty rigid in terms once you've reached that star pantheon for him, you're, you're really going to be there pretty much for life. Yeah. 
Unless you're like a plaything of the week or whatever, like there's some, you know, Jinder Mahal or something like that. You know, one of those guys. That, that those they have no problem you know, bouncing back and forth. So we're talking about real stars. Yeah, yeah, not not, not just yeah. you know, Jinder Mahal was a champion, but I don't think anyone would argue he was a, like a star. Right, I mean, exactly. he's just a guy who held a title. He's a guy who held a works title um, that couldn't even move business in the country that they wanted him to move the business in. I mean. That tour was a disaster. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that tour was a fucking disaster. They had to cut that tour down, you know, because it didn't draw. They had to like cut shows. Yeah, from I think the it was tour. three shows, and it got down to one, and then it, that one show ended with the Triple H pedigree in the ring, which is just like yeah. as as on the nose as you could possibly be about the entire push of, of Jinder Mahal. So, and then that was it for him. I mean, didn't he lose the title right around that time? They were like, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, because that was intended to pop business in India, and, and to be honest, it didn't. It didn't tank business here. Like the SmackDown ratings for his title reign held. They didn't drop. He didn't draw, but it did. They didn't drop either. Right, right. It was just it universally panned because it was like bad. But yeah, it didn't like business wise. It didn't really seem like it affected anything. It, but it didn't. It didn't help anything in India, which is. And it didn't. Great. It didn't. It didn't help the ratings here, but it didn't tank them. I don't remember the house shows to be honest. But but it, the whole intent was to at least hold steady here while you pop a new market, and that failed miserably. The tour, the tour was an unmitigated disaster. Um, and I think a lot of that was confusing imagery. Like you're presenting him as a heel on TV, but you want the Indian people to rally behind him, right? But th- that clearly didn't happen. But they were, I think they were scared to present him as a babyface on TV because he just wasn't very good and he's, he's much better as a heel and all those sorts of things. And they thought that that probably would have tanked SmackDown. If they oh, for sure. Yeah, if they had him as like the ch- like, hey, this Indian yeah. champion, he's so good. Look at him. It's like, yeah. It, it, no, I mean, undoubtedly, the best role was as a heel with the with the Singh brothers taking the bumps and and you know that was the best possible way to approach. Yeah. That. Oh no, I, I think Vince thought he was going to get like a Bret Hart in Canada type thing with Jinder Mahal, and obviously that didn't that didn't happen. It, it didn't work out because in India that just didn't and, you know, and that's a tricky thing because you run the risk when you do that of the people in the market you're trying to pop just agreeing with you yeah that like, yeah that guy's kind of a shithead i like you know i like john cena a lot more yeah so. right and that's ultimately i think what happened and then they pulled the plug and then he got hurt and now he's back he's getting a modicum of a push now but um what was the other? oh so the other thing i want to talk about was the actual angle where becky gave up the title she comes down to the ring with the money in the bank briefcase which actually has the title in it to give to oscar i've seen people praising this i thought this was a terrible television segment um, you know, it, it's, and I know people are praising it, all oh, the emotion that she showed and everything, but from a pro wrestling perspective, this angle stunk. It was isn't, confusing as fuck. It was so weird. <laughs> isn't Asuka supposed to be a heel? Yes. Yeah. But then she goes, oh my God, congratulations. Thank you. And starts crying. And yeah, it, yeah, I don't know. And it's, I don't understand that. Shouldn't she be mocking her? You know? Go change your fucking diapers. I'm yeah, the like champ now. Yeah, kind of the Shayna style thing. The Shayna style, exactly. Like, so you you have a heel being out of character. Um, you have Becky, like praising the heel and putting her over. Shouldn't Becky be like? Well, may, maybe it's an Oscar face turn that we didn't know about. Because is that possible that Shayna's being the heel and and Oscar's the face, and that's your new Rich direction with, with this company? <laughs> I know. I'm trying. I'm trying. You got to give me credit for trying. But, but what? But even if that's a turn, like what's Becky's motivation to all of a sudden be a fan of this person? Like who's – the whole thing was fucking weird. And then you have Asuka doing her gimmick the whole time, jumping around, making noises and 
that I didn't think that fit the tone of the segment. The tone of the segment was supposed to be a bittersweet moment. You're happy for her. You're happy for Becky, but you're sad she's going away. And you have this cartoon character because that's what Asuka is now. She's a fucking yeah. She she's just the, goes yeah. It's, it's all she's she does, the, so, yeah. and she jumps. She dances. She she fucking jumps around and dances. She's a cartoon. She's the female Otis. That's what she is. So and and they've got and, and do you realize now that they have three Japanese women on the roster who all do the same thing? <laughs> right, I know. <laughs> they all do the gimmick where they jump around and make noises and fucking dance. It, it, you know, Asuka, the tag team partner, Io Shirai, and uh, no, Io Shirai and the tag team partner, Kari Sane. Yeah. They all do essentially the same gimmick. Where, you know, if you see Io Shirai in NXT where she attacked um, Rhea Ripley last week, same thing. Just making loud noises and jumping around and being like out of control. And it's all the same gimmick, you know? But it's like Asuka's cartoon act didn't match the tone of the segment. I thought that segment was a train wreck, it was very confusing as a viewer. Like, well, how am I supposed to feel here? Okay, maybe you're right. Asuka's a babyface now. Or, like, maybe uh, – but but why was Becky so happy to give her title to a heel at the start of the segment when Asuka didn't really turn face until she was, like, happy about I, – I don't Rich, why are we – Yeah, it, it, they don't they don't care, and, and I guess you shouldn't care because, yeah, our chat room's like, no, I think they're faces. And it's like, no, they've been heels. <laughs> like, they've been heels. And, and it was all it was always bad because we were always we were laughing about it. We did a segment about this not that long ago about like how funny it was that like fucking Asuka and Kyrie Sane or especially Kyrie Sane were heels because no they were heels up until yeah I don't know when they they turned at some point maybe Asuka turned on that night or whatever but um yeah I don't know <laughs> That's... Why, why how why shouldn't it be easy to figure out whether their faces are heels on top of that and and that still doesn't change the fact. That you have a cartoon character out there jumping around like a lunatic during what's supposed to be a bittersweet moment. The tone was all off. Tonally, none of this worked. Why can't they just have her come out there, give up the title, and not even have Asuka involved in the segment? Why does Asuka have to come out there? Let her have her moment in front of zero fans. Which is ridiculous on top of everything else, because what kind of a moment is it? Yeah, right, right. Well, maybe this was supposed to be the official face turn of Asuka by her saying, oh my god, congratulations, like that's a face turn, I guess. Do you I find know. Asuka extremely off-putting right now? Oh, she's I, terrible. Yeah, it's awful. I. It's just... It's comical. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Like, you know, we'll, we'll talk about when we review Money in the Bank. Yeah, but it's guess, like we'll it's, it's, it's fucking ridiculous. It's, yeah, why? I, who who would who would it, find this entertaining on any level? <laughs> That's all she does. It's like, okay, all right, I get it. You're wild. You're crazy. Okay, like it was good. Here, it's the typical WWE thing where it worked at the start. But then once they saw that it worked, they have to turn it up to 15. Yeah. Oh, and Otis was that way, too. We'll talk about it in the Money in the Bank. Like, I, I don't hate Otis as much as you did. But after this 45 minutes of him going, oh, yeah, the entire time, I'm out now. I am as out as out can be, man. I, I am with you on, on Otis now. But the Asuka thing at when she was doing commentary and she first did the heel turn, it was working. And I thought it was in, it was good and it was interesting. And it. It, you know, it was an evolution of the character, or whatever. But now it's just they saw it worked, and it's the subtlety hammer at play. And now she's just a total cartoon character. And like you just said about, I'm out. I'm out on Asuka. It's she's a cartoon. And once you cross that line into just a one note character, well, that's what I was gonna say. What if I told you, Joe, describe Asuka's character to me? I, I've never watched WWE. I don't know what this is. Who is this? And 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 what are her motivations? And what does she do? What would you say? 
Well, a better a better way to approach that would be if I had never seen wrestling before and I decide, oh, I'm going to try this. I'm bored. I'm in quarantine. Let me try a new form of entertainment. What would a new viewer think that she's supposed to be? An insane person? Mentally unstable? Um, like, what? how does it come across? You know, she's... she's I, I keep coming back to it. She's a cartoon character. You know, I, I, you know, it's, it's, it's just goofy and it's over the top and it's just, it's just too much. And it, it, it's kind of like she's a microcosm of a lot of the mistakes they've made over the years with where they just – something works and they have to beat you over the head with it. They can't just let it be the thing that's working. It has to be turned – the volume has to be turned all the way up and you got to be over the top with it. You know, so she has to do that silly little dance with her hands between her legs every time. It can't just be an organic thing that's working. It has to be, you know, you have to put all of your chips in on anything that even remotely works ever. And it's one of the infuriating things about the company. Uh, well, speaking of uh, this company, as we continue to stay in WWE land, an announcement made this week, postwrestling.com was the first one with it. Uh, quote, WWE is set to introduce a ruling that will allow for some crossover between Raw and SmackDown, which comes at a time when numbers have significantly declined on both shows. Uh, Post Wrestling was informed that the ruling will be introduced on tonight's episode of Raw with the hope that it will be a simpler version of last year's ill-fated wild card rule. So what, what the fuck is this thing called again now? It's called something else. It's, it's like a... Um, oh, let me find out the exact word that they're using here. A brand-to-brand invitation show. Are you ready for brand-to-brand invitations? I don't even know what I'm supposed to say here. I mean... <laughs> this is so... So how many of these brands... Okay, so the original brand split was 2002, correct? Then I think we did on and off. That, that kind of stood for a while until ECW came, and then that was another edition of the brand split slash brand extension and then 2016 we had a brand split slash brand extension i believe and that lasted i don't even remember like a a year or so and then we went back to whatever and then we did it again recently when they went to fox and then we had a wild card i don't who fucking cares anymore why why did they even try this ever again they know it's it never works it never ever ever worked it worked one time when it first started and now it never works ever again but still we got to go back to it every single time. I'm going to be completely honest. I had no idea that, like, there was a strict brand split to begin with. I just didn't notice. Um, so I don't. I don't even know what to say. Like, I I didn't know it was a thing. Like Charlotte's been on NXT for the last month. Right. <laughs> I know. I, you know. I so I never really put thought into it. Now that I really think about it, I guess people haven't been like the Raw and the SmackDown people haven't been appearing on the other show. I guess. Um, now that I really put some thought into it, but, um, you know, how many times have we been through this now? I get it from the network perspectives. They're getting a little antsy and I get it from WWE's perspective. This could be, they've got to try things and they've been trying things the last few weeks. There's no question about it. Um, we just talked about, you know, DX first, they tried DX on SmackDown. Then they tried DX on NXT this past week. Um, so I understand do I think it's going to make any kind of big time difference? I don't. I mean, I do. I think putting, um, you know, who do you want to use as an example? Seth Rollins showing up on SmackDown is that going to excite people and pop off rating on Friday night? No, no, of course it's not. But it, you know, it's it's they have to work with what they have, and I guess they feel like the best course of action is to uh, 
You see, what could work is if they did like a really hot feud between the brands. That seems to work. <laughs> right, right. But their execution is always so poor when they try stuff like that that they'd find a way to, to bungle it up. Um, you know, because that did pop NXT for a little while there. But um, and, and SmackDown, to be fair. But it's like, I don't know. I just think, you know, whoever the fuck showing up on Raw from SmackDown isn't going to make any kind of. But I mean, they can't go. They can't come into these meetings and have no plan. You know, they, they've got to come up with ideas and try things. Right. Yeah. And we, we always, you know, we always mention this when, when these changes happen or whatnot, because there's all these people on Twitter. that's like, oh, that doesn't matter. Nobody cares. They don't care about ratings. Da, 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 da. But like, obviously, yeah, they get into these meetings with these networks. And the reason we're seeing so many random changes, is these networks probably look at this and go, well, what the fuck's going on? What are you going to do? And Vince's fans are, I'm going to get rid of house shows or I'm going to hire Eric Bischoff. Or I'm going to hire Paul Heyman or I'm going to get rid of Eric Bischoff. And I'm going to actually hire Bruce Pitchard. And actually what we're going to do is we're going to go live. And actually we're going to do a brand split. Actually, we're going to undo that. He's got He's got to offer something when they call and they say, hey, you know, what are you going to do about this? He has to give them something. And that's why every few months now we get something different. It's a wild off the wall thing that happens because he's got to atone for, for, you know, what's going on. The overall big picture issues with the company and the, the, the creation of no new fans, the creation of no new stars, all that sort of stuff. He can't do the big fixes. So he's got to do these little things. We got to do a brand split. That'll help things. Wait, no, no, no. We got to undo the brand split. Oh, wait, no, we got to hire this guy. Oh, wait, and we got to get rid of that guy and actually hire this guy. Like that's why we've seen this over the last two years. Cause he's scrambling. Cause these networks are looking at this shit and saying, wait a minute, we paid you X amount. And now you're giving us this. And he's got to change something. So that's why every few months we have a wild off the wall change that wasn't what it was two weeks ago. Because you gotta, you, like you said, you have to come with something. You gotta come to the table with, well, here's what we're gonna do to fix this. It's never gonna happen. Like nothing. You, the, the, hiring Paul Heyman, you know, hiring Eric Bischoff, none of that shit works. But you gotta say something. You gotta appease them for that moment. Get them off the phone, and then you know, wait until the next time when you have to get on the phone and and and, and say something to you know try to appease them. Yeah. Um, it's like, you know, I know at my job, if, if things aren't going well, I can't, I can't show up to a meeting with my boss and have nothing. Yeah. You know, I, I you hey, Joe, why are these numbers this way? I don't know. What are you going to do about them? <laughs> yeah. Keep on keeping like, on, <laughs> you know, keep the momentum going. It's like, uh, I gotta have, I gotta know, I got to have answers for why the numbers are what they are. And I have to have solutions. Now, half of what I say are, some of what I say might be bullshit that I think he's just going to buy. I mean, you know the game, but you got to come in with something. <laughs> you know, you got to come in either with concrete ideas on how to fix it or bullshit ideas that will hold you over for a while until you can figure out how to fix it. And so I, I understand why they make these changes and I understand, you know, why, but I also understand why it's frustrating for fans because it's just, but but the, you can't keep doing the same things while the ratings keep tanking further and further. Because as we talked about before, this is the new reality. You know, you can't keep going to the network executives when they're upset and saying, "Oh well, you know this darn COVID." Well, you know we've been dealing with that for two months now. Where this is, you know, you got to come up with some. You know, we we don't may not expect you to get back to four million if if we're Fox, but. You have to either stall right. Your arrow it. keeps pointing down, and and yeah, that's not good. <laughs> yeah, you need to tell us how you're going to reverse this, because now we've got uh, problems on the other end with with ad money drying up and and sponsors. We just talked about ZipRecruiter. 
You know, on a larger scale, this is happening to everybody. So everybody is tugging at their collar right now. So Vince can't go into these meetings with no answers or just blaming everything on the thing. So I get it. Will it make a difference? No. Not any kind of appreciable difference. Maybe a minor, you know, maybe the first week of it if they do something interesting. Could I see it popping a number or two? Sure. But then again, look. let's look at the track record of the company when it comes to stuff like this. Whatever they do, even if it's hot, they'll either blow through it or they'll find a way to muck it up and, and people will lose interest in it. So um, I, I really – that's why to me the whole brand split thing, story of this going you – know, it's not even – for me, I don't even see it as a big story or no, something that's really interesting not. to talk – I don't find it interesting to talk about. Because I don't, I don't, I can't imagine us spending forty minutes to an hour on this when ultimately it doesn't mean anything. So you know, in a couple of weeks, we're gonna forget that this was. They're gonna, they're gonna, guys are gonna work both rosters, and it's not gonna mean anything for ratings. And you know, ultimately, it's just a, it's a to me a meaningless story. Well, one one good thing though is that uh, we the, the dream matches uh, should be numerous with this new brand to brand invitation. I don't know if you've seen, but the uh, first one out of the gates, uh, Baron Corbin, King Corbin versus Drew McIntyre. So they're really starting off nice and hot here with the two biggest stars. It's like you know what I mean. It's like this yeah. is how you know it's gonna fail. The first match they announce is Drew McIntyre versus fucking SmackDown's King Corbin. Like, well, it, it, look, the guy at the head of the table is convinced that Baron Corbin is a difference maker. Now, I don't know what data he looks at that the rest of us aren't looking at. His boner, I guess, or something. I don't know what it is. I mean, seriously, it's like that that string of two straight pay-per-views that bombed. Battleground, yeah. They bombed at the gate. The ratings bombed. And it's like... When is this guy ever – now, again, I don't know what – maybe they're looking at something we don't see. I don't know. But they're convinced that Baron Corbin is is a legitimate thing. Like, I don't advocate cutting the guy. He does get heat in the buildings. You know, so it's like there's value in someone who gets reactions in buildings. But is he always overpushed beyond his level? Yes. You know, they always put him in positions that he shouldn't be in. Yeah. If he's just a mid-card guy who... I would love a roster full of mid-card guys who get the reactions that he gets. There's value in that. The problem with Baron Corbin is he's always pushed beyond his level. So, and, and, and like you're saying in this instance, a big opportunity like this, they put Baron Corbin in the spot. It doesn't make any sense. But then again, who are you going to put it? They don't have anybody. They don't have stars. Yeah, there's, there's nobody... I don't think Drew McIntyre is. I mean, no. We, ha- we talked. I'm not going to do it again because we just talked about it last week. But I don't think he's anything special either. He hasn't stopped the bleeding at all with Raw. So yeah, they got a real issue. Turn? They got a real issue right now, man. In, in, in terms of we, we've had this discussion for years and years and years, but like this is this is almost the most dire I've I've ever seen it. Where like legitimately, I don't know if I could come up with one matchup between Raw and SmackDown that would be. Like you said, oh, Seth Rollins is going to be on SmackDown. Yeah, okay, where's cool. yeah, like, you know who cares? Like, okay, yeah. Th- well, let's look at this. 
what is the dream match that you build to between these two brands? <laughs> you got one, Joe? <laughs> I mean, what is it? What's what's the end game? What is the thing where you sit in a room with the writers and you say, okay, we're going to cross the brands and we're going to build to a huge television angle and we're going to reverse this rating trend and we're going to build to this obvious match. What is it? What's yeah, the match? Braun versus Seth Rollins or something. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. Is that Here's it? the problem. All of these guys have wrestled each other, first of all, because of all of the stop and start brand splits. Yeah, right. There's not a fresh matchup there anywhere. And, be- and because you're constantly mixing the brands. If they had done the brand split, what'd you say? It was 2002? Uh, 2002 was the original one, yeah. If they had done the brand split in 2002, and for the last 18 years, truly kept these rosters separate and never fucked around with it and called guys up to a brand and they stayed there for life. And every now and then you have someone jump to keep things fresh. You know what I mean? In other words, create their own world of competition, which they themselves snuffed out, right? Wasn't that originally the idea of the brand split? Oh, yeah, yeah. That They wanted yeah. the actual rosters of Raw and the actual rosters of SmackDown to stop liking each other and start yeah. kind of feuding. And the, the people in charge of the writing to kind of hate each other and side-eye one another in the, in, the, in the hallways or whatnot. And for a while, it worked, you know, especially when you have Paul Heyman on one of the sides. He's going to rally his troops behind him. So, yeah, it actually kind of worked for a little bit. It. But it's like the idea was we don't have real competition anymore, so we'll create our own. Yeah, right, right. That quickly went out the window. If that had held true for 18 years – then when you really needed to pull it out of your back pocket like you do now, you might have a f- two rosters full of people who have never commingled, And you might have true dream matchups. And you don't even need 18 years of separation. If they've just kept separated for the last three years. or what, But do you f- is there any match that we haven't seen between these two sides that you feel like is super fresh, super hot, and can pop a number? I cannot think of one. No. I mean, who can Seth Rollins wrestle on SmackDown? Yeah, Braun Strowman. Has that really got you going? Has that got you excited? The Braun Strowman Seth Rollins feud, like you have Braun and Bray, and um, I guess uh, Sami Zayn and his crew, but they're mid carders. Sami, Sami ain't gonna be there for a while. It doesn't look like so because they yeah, and yeah, right. And then if they hadn't completely booked Nakamura into oblivion. They had a star at one point. Yeah. The Miz, Seth Rollins versus The Miz. That got you a... Uh... The Miz has wrestled everyone on the <laughs> roster. He's... The Miz has been there for, for 15 years, and he's wrestled everybody on the roster. And on the Raw side, I mean, I guess Drew McIntyre would have some fresh matches. The problem is I don't think anyone cares about Drew McIntyre. Um, you have, I mean, you know, Brock isn't coming back for this shit. And I don't know if you want to pay him what you need to pay them to come nah. wrestle an empty arena match to bump up your rating, you know, by 50,000 fans. Um, if it even does bump the rating, there are people who believe Brock doesn't draw. Um, and then, so who else is on the raw side? I, I, I don't know what, what's the match. If you're going to do this, you have to have a Seth match. Rollins, Bray Wyatt. That's your match, buddy. We've seen that. It was horrible. <laughs> I'm joking. Yeah. It's fucking garbage. Yeah. It, it, it killed Seth Rollins as a baby face. You know, so I know you're kidding, but um, so that's why to me it's not a story. You know, if there was an obvious match you're building to, then you say, all right, well, okay, now what do you do? Do you do that match on Raw? Do you do it on Fox? Or do you do it behind your paywall? Now we can have an interesting conversation, right? But 
there's no conversation to have. Yeah, there's not one match. And it's not like, I, you know, we, we pose this question. And I'm looking in our, our chat room right now. I have yet to see one earnest answer in the chat room. It's just like, it's either silence or somebody saying Bray versus Seth, LOL. Like, yeah, honestly, you could not. I, I'd listen to anyone. I'd listen to anyone if you said, oh, this match, this guy versus... The, and that's what I meant Like when I when I started the, the, the this little mini segment here is like they are in such a dire situation that you can't make one match, one, that would, would interest you on any level whatsoever. That you can reasonably say, yeah, you know, Joe, that match is going to make people watch that show, whatever even, show it is. Even thinking like a hardcore WWE fan, right? The kind of fan who just loves the... WWE and they watch, and I'm not even being facetious or anything. Someone who just loves watching this stuff and they're big fans of the company. And um, what's the match for that kind of fan? I don't think, I still don't think there's one. No, like Bailey versus Asuka, maybe. Like that's kind of cool, I guess, but that's a big money match. Yeah, no, no. That's what I mean. It's like a good, I mean, where's the money match? You know, it's, uh, it, so. Okay, they're going to co-mingle the rosters. Great. I, there's no end game here, and there's no money match. There's nothing that's going to pop a rating. Because I, I, you know, I don't think Seth Rollins showing up on Fox is going to pop a rating for Fox. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> or whoever. And he's a pretty big star. You know, he's, the, he's, I mean, he's one of the biggest. Yeah, he's, he's the, in that upper echelon, the top five, if you're talking about it. And, and none of those top five. Your Drew McIntyre's. Okay, honestly, the top five. What is it? Bray Wyatt. Braun Strowman. True McIntyre, Seth Rollins, and who are we forgetting? I mean, King Corbin, right? <laughs> like, I mean, Becky's gone. Um, it's not you know Oscar, Bailey, and Sasha are the top women. They're not like pushed at that level right now. Um, who are we forgetting? Someone obvious? I don't think so. I mean, <laughs> maybe, but isn't it incredible that they can basically buy up? Everything. They have everybody. They have every good wrestler that's ever wrestled. They got and everyone except they, they got everyone except the elite, and they have no stars. Everybody but elite and Zack Saber Jr. They have everybody but the elite, Zack Saber Jr. and Will Ospreay, and they literally we can't even name their top five wrestlers on the roster right now. And by wrestler three, we're already laughing and saying, "I guess this guy." <laughs> Did we name four or five guys? Uh, I named four, and then I said, "I guess King Corbin." Braun, Bray, Seth, and Drew. Yes, Those that's are, I think the are, core four. That's the top four for sure. We need to lock them in, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> who legitimately who would be their fifth biggest star? Who they see as a star? Right, right, right. It would be Becky. Right, she'd be the answer, but she's not there. So who is it? I guess Orton, Randy Orton. It gotta be Orton, right? Yeah. It has to be because Reigns is kind of you know MIA for right now too. So I, I don't count Reigns. Yeah. He's not there. When he's there, I'll count him. I guess AJ Styles you could add in there if you really wanted to, but when he's not dying. When, Rain, when Reigns comes back, he's he's in the, he's in that mix. There's no doubt. He's not there. It has to be Orton. You could argue Orton, AJ. Um, this is a, this is not an easy exercise. <laughs> it's very difficult. Yeah. We have to be forgetting an obvious one. We well, I said AJ Styles is one that, but I don't, I don't put him on that level really much anymore. But I guess he's, he's, he's there. Yeah, yeah. You put he's in the. You want to say he's the fifth one? I'm not going to fight with you. Well, as I said, the, I think the fifth is way open for interpretation. I think there's like four or five dudes that you could honestly say you could say King Corbin, uh, AJ, 
Can you uh, say King Corbin? I mean, <laughs> I mean, they think so, clearly. He's not bigger than Orton. They don't see him ahead of Orton, though, right? Uh, I don't think they see him ahead of Orton. What about Edge? <laughs> I guess. But... I mean, he's 50 and he's part-time, but... Right. I mean, he's like 48 or something. Um... Man, I'm so to, bad. I'm trying to go through the WrestleMania card. Right, right. And trying to think of who's, yeah. Because anyone significant was going to be on the WrestleMania card. Brock's not around. I mean, are we, being, are we being hard on them because Brock, Becky, Roman, Ronda? I mean, that's not bad. If, if we're sitting here talking about Brock, Becky, Roman, and Ronda, right? And Undertaker or something, then we're okay. Those are people who could move a number. Right, but the problem is that, you know, three of those people you mentioned are, are, are part-time workers and they're pushed as your biggest stars, and they go away. Right. And that's so, an issue. <laughs> yeah, that's not good. But, you know, it's like you take them away and you're talking, you, you're like King Corbin's in the mix all of a sudden. How about Gronk? <laughs> they don't even have Gronk. He's a champ. They don't even have the Gronk. Yeah, this is. Uh, it's not I, good. I, it's got to be Orton. Good. I'm going with Orton. That's fair. I'll. Uh, That's my final answer. What do you I'll think? Allow it. Yeah. yeah whatever. He's there, <laughs> That's he's fine. There. I don't care. He's their top five. Perfect. Yeah. Oh God. Well, you know, Rich. Uh, as the show gets ground to a halt. Speaking of the brand split. Uh oh. And the elimination of the brand split. I think it would be a perfect time to revive which brand he played for. Uh oh. <laughs> Here we go. All right. After this ad plays. <laughs> we don't want to. Yeah. We, who the fuck is that? We don't Are uh, they paying us? Whoever it is? Uh, Rich, do you remember the rules of which brand he played for? Yes, I think so. You're going to name a name, and I'm going to tell you what brand they played for. Modeled after the game on Inside the NBA, Charles Barkley, who he played for. This is our version called which brand he played for. It could be a he or a she. I will name a WWE wrestler. Rich must tell me which of the brands that wrestler plays for. Are you ready, Rich? I am ready. Let's go. Number one. Bo Dallas. Which <laughs> brand he play for? What? All right. <laughs> When's the last time Bo Dallas has been on TV? I don't know. That's not, yeah, it's not, you're not, you're, you're, that's not your game. You're just, that's, okay. All right, hold on. Um, it, could be, it could be Raw. It could be SmackDown. It could be NXT. It could be NXT UK. It could even be 205 Live. Oh, my God. Oh, so I have to... It says 205 Live is considered a, an additional brand, correct? Oh, yeah. Okay, all right. Um, Bo Dallas is a raw superstar. Damn it. Bo Dallas is a raw superstar. 
Dallas is a member of the SmackDown brand. Damn it. All right. The SmackDown brand. That's okay. I think I'll give you an easy one. Want to get you on the board. How about that? You can't possibly miss this one, Rich. Are you ready? <laughs> okay. To play which brand he played for? Mark Andrews. Oh, Mark Andrews. He is an NXT UK superstar. Ding, 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 ding. We're on the board. Well, Andrews, yeah. All right. I gave you a little layup there. Thank you. Yeah, appreciate it. Got to get on the board there. All right. Are you ready? Yep, let's go. We're one and one, right? Uh, one and one, yep, yep. Razor. <laughs> this is Razor of Ackerman Razor fame, correct? The uh, authors that, of Pain. That is correct. Uh, they are. They are raw superstars. Are you sure? I am sure. Ding 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 ding. <sighs> Damn right, let's go. Now, how did you work your way through that? I have that no one? idea. I just guessed. I have no clue. I feel like I saw them on Raw like six months ago, so I'm just kind of going with that. Because one of them got hurt, right? Okay. Yeah. Oh, no, no. They were in Seth Rollins' little crew for a bit. Right? Or Alistair Black's crew. Someone's crew. They were in a crew. I don't know. I forget whose crew it was. Paul Heyman's a big fan. So that should have been. They were in a crew. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You liked them. Okay. Are you ready to play? What brand she play for? Ooh, yeah. Let's go. Ember Moon. Give me the injured ones. Um, I believe Ember Moon is that's very loud. Did it just get like ten times louder? <laughs> uh, Ember Moon is a SmackDown superstar. The former Athena. The former Athena, yes. The former practitioner of the O face, <laughs> which never hit properly. Always, always fucked up by both parties. The O face. They can't call it that anymore, Rich. <laughs> Believe it or not, they did change that. Yeah, they did change that when she went to the... Uh, uh, but I believe... What was my answer? SmackDown. SmackDown Superstar for Athena. Ding, 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 or whatever. Okay. Fuck, who cares? All right. All right. You're doing well. You're two... What are you? Uh, three and one. Three, three and one, one, I believe. Yeah, I'm, I'm cruising here, so... I got three left, so you could end up with a losing record Okay, here so it's not over. official yet, but I... Okay, all right. I'm in, I'm in well, good standing do. right now, but... If you get one right, you guarantee victory. Are you ready? Okay, yeah. What brand he play for? James Drake. <laughs> um Ooh. I think okay, so I I know why you did this one. I think most people would say James Drake is an NXT UK superstar, but he is actually an NXT superstar. Ding 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 yeah, ding 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 ding. There we go. Yes, he is officially listed on the NXT roster. That's a tricky one. I like what you did there. I like what you did there. That most people would say NXT UK, but uh, well, not most people because most people don't know NXT UK exists. But um, I, a, 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 an attuned uh, NXT UK watcher, would know that. So, well, you're four and one. You want to try to sweep the rest of the board? Yeah, here? let's go ahead. Yeah, we're, we're on a roll here. Let's see. Yeah, let's let's try to put those numbers up because I've had some pretty bad uh, who we play for us before. So I need to uh, overall record. I'd like to up it a little bit. So yeah, let's go ahead. I'll let this one build up. Wait for the song to kick in. Mansoor. <laughs> oh, God, what? I think, well, he's, um, hmm, okay. 
is evolve one of the choices or no? Evolve <laughs> is not a choice. Okay, that's fine. Uh, thought I'd try there. But I like what you did there. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because um, you know, is, I, try to get, I try to get tricky sometimes. Right. So is the kingdom of Saudi Arabia a choice? No, although you could argue that's the brand he's been. That's right. Of. Okay, so he's on an. He's apparently also on a, a real brand. Okay, one of the five brands in play. Um, Mansoor is a SmackDown superstar. <laughs> what? Mansoor is, is an NXT. Oh, I guess that makes sense. NXT. Okay, that makes sense. One left. You're four and two. You're guaranteed a winning record. You're like a team that has clinched a playoff spot. You might not even have the starters in. Yeah, for the, the third catchers out there. Like, yeah, it's you know we're just trying to get some work. You know, a, a long reliever starting our games. It's yeah, it's you know we're just we're just in, cruising into the finals in the playoffs here. In the gambling world, they call this one a free ball. Okay, you just there's nothing at risk here, but you can still get it right. Oh, premature musicalation there. Hold on. <laughs> it's okay. It happens. Uh, Dana Brooke. She appeared at, uh, unsuccessfully became Mrs. Money in the Bank, or Miss Money in the Bank, uh, on I Sunday. I think she was, uh, in, she was officially in that match, but Rich, outside of the Stephanie McMahon spot, you wouldn't have known. <laughs> uh, Dana Brooke is a raw superstar. I just like the song. Yeah, go ahead. No, let it ride. The tension is, is palpable. You can cut it with a knife. So, With this professional soundboard. Meaning a YouTube video, I have to let the ad play. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I love that there's options where you can download this song, but the grittiness of you playing it on YouTube and having to let the ads roll is is, is important there. So uh, what did, the- I, did I say Raw or Smash? I don't remember what said I said. Raw. I think I said Raw, didn't I? You said raw. I don't think that's right. I think it's not that, but I, maybe it's raw. I don't know. Who, who the fuck cares? Well, what is your answer? It, raw, raw, raw was my first answer. I will stick with that as my answer. <laughs> she is a SmackDown star, but again, that was a free roll. You were already a winner. Four correct, three incorrect. I believe for the first time ever, Rich was a winner. There we go. So all you have to do is not watch ever again. <laughs> <laughs> On which brand he played for? Tremendous thank job. You, thank you. Thank you. I don't know what prizes you win, but you are a winner. So you get the song for a couple more seconds. And that's that because now we're an SNL bit that's running way too yeah, long. Yeah, exactly. It's got too long. All right, let's let's get to this Money in the Bank. Uh, uh, well, speaking of an SNL bit that ran way too long, uh, WWE Money in the Bank 2020, Joe, we'll start with the uh, we'll start at the top with this whatever the fuck this main event was. The dual Money in the Bank ladder matches, both the men and the women fighting for briefcases at the same time, fighting through the corporate headquarters, the risk, would it be worth the reward? We would find out at Money in the Bank 2020. Um, I mean, what do you, when we previewed it last week, we kind of said, hey, at least it's not just a normal match. At least they're trying something different. I was so fucking bored by this within five minutes, and it just went on and on and on. And the entire time this, the, the match is going on, and I'm, I'm curious what your thoughts are going to be as well. I'm thinking, what do I don't know even what to say about this? What do you, what do people want me to say? Like it, it wasn't even like I don't even want to bury it. It was just completely bad and not funny. And like in in some ways, like I, I kind of left thinking, my God, how sad is this? Like they think this is the funniest shit ever. 
Like they're like, ha ha, it's Doink the Clown. He's there. And it's, ah, it's brother love. And he's taking a shit. And it's like, they think it's hilarious. But does anybody else in the universe think it's hilarious? You know, over the age of 12. It's so bad. I don't know. What do you want to say about this? What do you want me to say about these matches, Joe? I have no fucking clue how to review these, how to talk about them, what to say. Just one SNL bit that went 40 minutes too long and was never funny at any point. Look, I th- I think we said that the uh, – what was the Undertaker-AJ Styles thing called? The, the Boneyard match. I think we said the Boneyard match was well done for what they were trying to do. We – well, I don't even remember if you liked it or not, but I, it just wasn't for me. But I, I concede that they did an okay job with it. It felt like a cheesy B-movie fight scene, which is what they were going for. And I guess the Bray Wyatt thing with Cena, uh, I can't say that, you know, the production wasn't well done or that it didn't pop a huge portion of their fan base and all that. So I kind of get why people like those things while also, uh, you know, freely admitting that I didn't like them at all because they're not for me. That's not what I want out of my pro wrestling. This Money in the Bank thing, um, I genuinely don't see what was amusing, funny, or entertaining about it in any way, shape, form whatsoever. Uh, where is the humor? What's funny about any of this? You know, it's like you said. What's the joke when, like, someone in doink paint stares over a chair? Why is that funny? Right. What's funny about John like, Laurinaitis showing up and going, hey, people power. Yeah, why is that? What's What's I, the joke? It's random, you know, I guess, is the joke. It's, um, I, you know, brother love flushing a toilet. I, I mean, what's where's the joke? What's funny? You know, wh- where's where is the entertainment factor in a food fight? I mean, who po- like unless you're like if you're a small child. Yeah, as I maybe, said, if you're under the age of twelve or you're Vince McMahon, that shit's funny. But maybe you think it's funny that. Dana Brooke threw some potato chips at at Otis. I I don't understand what's entertaining or amusing about any of this. Um, I think it was an idea that could have worked if it was clever, if the cameos were clever, if the jokes were funny. You know, it's like, but none of that was true. None of the jokes were funny. None of this was clever. None of this was smart. None of this was edgy. I mean, what were they? Was it, they weren't even trying to be edgy, I guess. Uh, what about this was entertaining? You know, about halfway through, you're like looking at your fucking wrist at your watch. And you're thinking to yourself, this cannot possibly be another half hour long because the show ended a half hour early. So it's like you're thinking to yourself, is this really going to be 40 minutes long? Because this is atrocious. It's not entertaining in any way. You know, it's like, uh, you know, AJ and Daniel Bryan in Vince's office. And they're like scared of him and apologetic. And then Dana Brooke doing the thing with Stephanie McMahon. And she's scared of her and apologetic. The Stephanie thing was so absurd because like obviously Stephanie wasn't going to show up for this bullshit. So they filmed it obviously at like her house. And it's like on a phone. And we're supposed to believe like you this like beautiful HD camera with Dana Brooke. And then it cuts to, you know, Stephanie with a microphone that is on her phone and it's dark and she's against a wall and it's like, oh my God. Rich, do you think if they did this same match in 1998, 
and Stone Cold Steve Austin and The Rock went brawling into Vince McMahon's office. And he stood up from his chair and berated them that they would nervously rearrange the chairs in his room and, and, and sheepishly walk oh, out of his no. office. I, I tweeted that out when I was watching it. I said wrestlers were bigger stars when they put wheelbarrows full of shit in Vince, Vince McMahon's office and made him piss himself. But now they're, oh, sorry. Oh, okay. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry, sir. <laughs> like... Oh, I didn't. I didn't know Mr. McMahon was here. Oh, oh no. I, yeah, Stone Cold would have said, what the fuck? Kicked him in the nuts, tombstone, or fucking uh, stunned him, and then filled his office with dog shit or something. Like, Rich, they would have they double teamed him and beat right, the They would have put him through a table and then fought each other. They would have said, hold on a minute. We'll fight yeah. each other in a minute, but fuck this guy, and put him through a table and make him piss himself, and then they would fight each other again after that. Which is why they came across as massive stars, among many other reasons. It's not hardly the only reason. I mean, they had superstar charisma and all that but the idea here being you know you had two of these you know we didn't even think of daniel bryan in our top five which is telling um but i guess he'd be in that mix but the idea being you have two guys who are arguably one of your five or six biggest stars and they're just bowing down to mr mcmahon and being apologetic and acting like cowards and when they really should just should have kicked his ass or ignored him and trashed his office you know they just should have brawled and trashed his office and but no, you know, they got to be subservient. And the same thing with Dana Brooke with Stephanie. And Stephanie's worse because at least Vince is more than willing to show ass. Throughout his, his run as Mr. McMahon, at the end of the day, he's getting his ass kicked. At the end of the day, he's getting humiliated. You know, you might have to sit through some Vince McMahon kiss my ass club segments or the Trish Stratus barking like a dog. And there's been some bad ones. But at the end of the day, he loses his feuds. And he's made to look like a fucking jerk off in the process. When has Stephanie ever shown ass in that company? Never. Literally zero times ever. Especially in the modern era. One time okay. Bree slapped her, I think, or something. You know what I mean? Like, that's literally it. That's the only one that I can ever remember. You know, it's like she's nothing like her father in that respect. And that may not be her fault. She's not in charge of the creative. Uh, no, she was for she... a while. <laughs> she didn't do it when she was in charge either. So Correct. But now she's in a different part of the company. But is there still some of that if she's in the – I'm sure she has some level of control over her stories because she's sure. fucking Stephanie McMahon. You know, so yeah, it's she, like uh, – Some random writer doesn't hand her a sheet and go, here's what you have to do, Stephanie. <laughs> like, and then Stephanie's like, well, I don't know. And the writer's like, well, you better do it. I mean that's not how it goes <laughs> right, down. Yeah. You know, so it's like she never shows ass or at least hasn't since she's been like 20 years old. I guess the very early angles. But I'm talking modern Stephanie McMahon. The character we know Yeah, today. she just screeches, slaps, and never gets yeah, her comeuppance ever. Never gets her comeuppance, or very rarely gets her comeuppance. Very rarely. Where Vince would always get his comeuppance. But in this scenario, they both were who they came across as the stars of the match. Because they're the ones not to be fucked with. Not Otis. Not Asuka. Not AJ and Brian, who looked like cowards. Those two. You know, so even if you want to seriously break this down, which is really a waste of time, from that perspective, the match didn't work. You know, there wasn't any interesting things that they did with the building. Rich, they did a food fight and they did a fucking shit joke with Brother Love. Yeah. What what other interesting things did they incorporate from the building? They did a brawl in the gym that Gargano and Ciampa did a month ago, complete with the same spots like breaking the mirror, 
yeah, yeah. it was a different it, i guess it was different because it was the the headquarters gym that kind of old school Vince McMahon gym with all the neon or whatnot but that's it that's literally the only difference is this they've already done that the, the gym thing in this company on tv so that wasn't even fresh or different or you know they didn't even do special effects or go into like you know the boneyard uh you know side of things this was just a very boring very boring uh 10 person or 12 person brawl whatever it was yeah they fought over an elevator though that was really cool yeah. With bad bed music, can we get away from the bed I music? Know, under dude, I've told, I, I've said it before. I, like, I, I would love to never, ever, 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 ever again hear bed music in a wrestling match, ever. Please. Yeah, it's just that's fucking garbage. Yeah, it's terrible. I understand they don't know how else to fill the sound, but it's like the bed music kind of worked for the boneyard match because that was supposed to well, be it was outdoors. Like, it was cinematic. This didn't cinematic. have it's that feel cinematic. to it. Yeah, this felt like you were watching these people fight in, you know, in, in a building. But why is there music behind it? it? Yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't make sense in that context. It doesn't. And you know, and it was silly because like when something goofy was about to happen, it's like when you're watching a cartoon and the music turns goofy. Like whenever Otis would come on the screen, like the music would something dumb, and you're like, oh, here we go. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. State your weights. Yeah, Tucky. You know, like, and it's like, <laughs> they can't even, they always insist on trying to tell you how you need to feel, you know, instead of just letting you feel, you know, even with something silly like this with the bed music. And then they get up to the top and you're like, all right, there's 40 minutes left in the pay-per-view. Now we're just going to have two money in the bank matches happening at once. And this could be kind of interesting, right? <laughs> and then three of the women actually showed up. <laughs> yeah. So three women are just whatever stuck, stuck in, in an, an elevator. elevator yeah stuck in an elevator stuck in a stairwell who the fuck knows so baron corbin hip tosses two men to their death and they make exaggerated splat yeah. sound <laughs> you know they're fine <laughs> though like... he didn't even sell it sold at all the next night no no, Not even Ravis here grabbing his shoulder going, yeah, luckily I didn't fall to my death. I fell a few feet, but I'm all right. I, I don't know if I'll be able to wrestle tonight. He he literally says, I feel great, Charlie. <laughs> yeah. Now I give up. <laughs> Come on. Forget that they showed us the crash pad. Forget that. Yeah. Forget that you saw the crash pad. The idea was he hip-tossed them off the side of the building. Right. And you heard them go splat when they hit the fucking whatever they hit. They never returned. And then they're perfectly fine and tell you they're perfectly fine the next day. Alistair Black is tweeting out a picture of a ghost on Twitter to mock the fact that he was hip tossed over the side of a building and went cascading to his death. Now, like you were saying last week. It would have been better if they just showed a cartoonish special effect. Yeah, yeah just Alistair Black, you know, reaching for the sky. Oh, no. And then, and, arm failing. Yeah. Yeah. and then his broken body on the sidewalk. Like, if you're going to go camp, just go full camp, you know? But they didn't even fully commit to the bit of these men being hip-tossed off the side of the building to their death. Um, you know, and it's like, I see people, the big thing now, Okay, the big thing now is every time these companies do something like this, we got to compare it to DDT, right? 
Oh, they're doing DDT in America. Well, DDT stinks too. So it, it, none of it's good. None of this comedy bullshit is good. I will. Okay. One sec. I will defend DDT on this, that when DDT does funny stuff, I don't love it. I don't go out of my way to watch it. And a lot of times I skip it. But I laugh a thousand times more with DDT comedy than I do anything with WWE comedy. Rich, I don't even get DDT comedy because it's for weeaboos who sleep with fucking fuck pillows. I don't understand <laughs> the jokes. I don't understand the jokes. No, but I think I think even I think even the in between chords that they hit are 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 way better. I will I will say that. But I do think you know your overall point though. We do need to stop just assuming that everything that's like a backstage brawl or funny is DDT. Like they didn't invent. You know, like it happened the other week with um, the street fight where we had people saying, oh, well, the street, that's obviously DDT influence. And I was like, they've had street fights before. Yeah, like, yeah. The, the AEW <laughs> street fight. People are like, this like, is well, they brawl backstage. So it's a lot like DDT. I'm like, what? Like, it's the Attitude of- Era, literally the entire four or five years of the Attitude Era, every single match they fought backstage. Well, this is Kenny Omega's fault because he put out that tweet that said... Oh, that's right. It is. Yeah, yeah, right. Who says DDT style can't work in America? It's like, dude, DDT did not invent street fights and no DQ fall count anywhere matches. Okay? Jerry Lawler and the fucking Honky Tonk Man did this in 1976 in Memphis. Okay? So don't don't fucking... This isn't DDT. This has been a staple in pro wrestling for decades. Decades. Stop attributing this stuff to DDT. I don't care whether you like DDT or you can't stand DDT. Can we stop attributing all this stuff to DDT? They didn't invent street fights. They didn't invent no DQ matches, fall count anywhere. They didn't invent comedy. They didn't invent any of it. Stop calling this stuff DDT. DDT ripped off all these ideas from America. That's where they got the ideas. For God's sake. (laughs) Yeah, their owner is a fake (laughs) Stone Cold cosplayer, you idiots. This stuff all came from a DDT co-opted this shit from the United States. And I don't care whether you like it or you don't. That's not the point. Whether you think they do it better or not is immaterial to me. Stop crediting. Like, no one's copying DDT. None of these people saw this. Vince McMahon did You know what we need? God damn it. We need to do DDT. Right, give me a break. That's not what's happening here. Kenny Omega, pump the brakes, buddy. Okay, people were doing full count anywhere matches long before the Brahmin brothers were throwing bowling balls into each other's nuts. Okay? It's been happening forever. Are they even in DDT? I don't even think they're in DDT. It doesn't matter. <laughs> God, it's infuriating. Learn some history. My God. Kenny Omega wouldn't know the Tupelo concession brawl if it fucking happened in his backyard. Stop, shut your mouth. I'm standing up, Rich. I didn't think I'd be fired up over this of all things. So anyway, this match stunk. I didn't like any of this. And then Otis and Lady Otis end up winning. So we know why Lady Otis won. That became clear on Raw the next night. But uh, Otis is your Money in the Bank winner. Rich Crate, your take. <sighs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, I don't know, man. <laughs> it's like in, in the way they had a win, too. It's just all AJ Styles has it. And it, he just can't. He fumbles <laughs> the briefcase and it lands in Otis's hands. And Michael Cole goes, Otis, control the Money in the Bank. He's Mr. Money in the Bank. <laughs> I'm just like, God damn, I hate this company so much. Why wouldn't AJ get it if he's the one that unhooked it? Right? 
Just because he dropped it at some point? <sighs> I guess it, the man who holds it closer to his body, that man is Mr. Money in the Bank. Well, why did why did King Corbin and Asuka try to stop each other from getting the Oh, my the God. Oh, dear God. Don't even get me started on that. Like, what was the... Why, why, like, wouldn't they why would King Corbin not just say, yeah, go ahead, go get it. I'll go get mine, and we're good. <laughs> cool. <laughs> yeah, why didn't he just... He's taller. Why didn't he just unhook both and hand it right, to her? Yeah, you, wanna, <laughs> you want the briefcase? Here you go. Why does he care who wins? Was this a DDT spot that I don't know about? <laughs> They're ripping off again. It's the first time a uh, heel has been mean to a uh, soon-to-be babyface. So, yeah, DDT. Did Antonio Honda and the inflatable panda gimmick climb a ladder and fight over an invisible gun or something? I, You know, was this another DDT ripoff spot? I, I don't know. But I, that made no sense. And then Otis wins the case. And I know a lot of people. Well, not a lot of people, but um, there's some people who are up in arms. Saying that Otis Rich is ruining the sanctity of the Money in the Bank briefcase. Oh yes, yeah, yeah. That's that's it. Now it means nothing anymore, Joe. It's over. <laughs> now let me tell you something. Next, he's going to win a title, and then titles aren't going to mean anything in this company anymore. My God, who is a bigger Otis detractor on planet Earth than me? Can you think of one? I c- literally cannot. No. Who gives a shit? Who has the money? Yeah. Does <laughs> not Sandow wants at it. Like... <laughs> It does not fucking matter who holds this briefcase. It does not matter who wins that title. None of this matters in this company. Results do not matter in this company. Mandy is going to screw him out of the fucking briefcase anyway. We all know that's what's going to happen. And that's a great idea and it should happen. You know? That that's the only way that that story can conclude is with her turning on him, right? I mean, why? What else is the point of the story? You know, George Animal Steel didn't ride off with Elizabeth into the sunset and fuck her and have six kids. Okay, she went back to the Macho Man. All right, fucking, uh, you know, Kelly Kelly doesn't end up with Balls Mahoney. <laughs> no, I haven't watched. I'm still making my way through the uh, WWE ECW rewatch, so don't, no spoiler alerts. But Hey, listen, November 2, remember, we'll get to that story. <laughs> yeah, 2077, you will talk about Balls Mahoney and Kevin Kelly. And I'm going to get Lagana on to talk about it. How about that? Since the man wrote it. But uh, I think he wrote that. Didn't he say he I think that? so, yeah, yeah. He, he slid in the DMs, I think, to tell us he wrote it once before. So. Something, like, something like that. But, uh, but you know... It's like she can't end up with Otis. The only natural, the, the only story you can tell is the hot girl eventually rejects the ogre, right? The baby faced, sympathetic ogre. And she fucks Dolph Ziggler or something. She's not going to fuck him. This is awesome, kind of, you know, she's got to go heal. Okay, you don't. The story here is not that the hideously unattractive ogre gets the hot girl. He has to not get the girl. That's how you, that's how you relate it to your audience. Because. Your audience is not a bunch of fucking Dolph Ziggler's. Your audience is a bunch of Otis's. And you want them to feel hatred toward you want them to feel sympathy for Otis. You don't Otis can't get the girl in the end. That's not the right story. Right? Am I coming off cruel here? I don't know. But but, but th- it doesn't matter. The point here is it doesn't matter that Otis has this briefcase. It doesn't matter if he doesn't get screwed out of it. It doesn't matter if he wins the title. None of this matters. The results in this company do not matter. I mean, that is the ultimate, you need to take a deep breath and reassess if you're genuinely upset that Otis won the Money in the Bank fucking briefcase. 
I don't think that's any of our audience. No, I, I would hope that all of our listeners are smart enough to not give two shits about who owns the, who is Mr. or Mrs. Money in the Bank. So I hate, I hate that term so much. Yeah. Otis is Mr. Money in the Bank. <laughs> I, God. I just had enough of Otis. I just can't take, it's just, like, I don't care what, what titles or briefcase. I just want him gone. He's just yeah, so this, this was the match. Like, I, I, I haven't hated him as much as you have. This match, though, you could tell, because you know that Vince McMahon thinks is the funniest fucking shit in the world, too, because he was front and center on every second of this match. There isn't a second of this match that didn't go by where you didn't know that Otis was nearby, about to be nearby, or about to be the focus. He was the central focus of this match, and that is not good. <laughs> that is really bad, but... Yeah. Yeah. Rupai! <laughs> it's like, god damn it. Oh, yeah! Yeah! Oh, yeah! <sighs> It's so bad. There's people who enjoy this. I know. What do they, what do they, I, I always I honestly think about this. Like, well, what do they what do what do those people? They again, like I, I'm I'm speaking to a hypothetical because I hope that nobody listening to this enjoys this stuff. But if you do, at Voices Wrestling on Twitter, what else do you watch? What other media? What what other entertainment do you consume? I know. So, yeah. DDT. <laughs> I don't think that's the case. Oh come on! Like Otis wouldn't fit in like a glove in DDT. I, I think the Venn diagram of people that enjoy Otis and also enjoy DDT is not is not a circle, Joe. I'm 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 sorry. Yeah, but they would. Okay, all right. You're telling me Otis isn't a DDT? Gimmick? Well, get Quiet Storm over there and let's find out, man. Just get. It's just basically the same guy. Just take his shirt off and make him a little bit more ridiculous, and and we're basically what? there. What? Quiet Storm is a serious professional. Oh, no, I'm saying if he took his shirt off and went in DDT, he'd, he'd be the same way. He grunts and snarls and shit. I'm not saying Quiet Storm can't do that gimmick but he doesn't do that gimmick i mean he's got those comically short limbs and he does grunt a lot but he's not the look otis is something ddt would do it would fit right in i i uh, it seems obvious to me i mean i don't know is that you're being oddly silent like you don't want to incur the wrath Uh, i don't know man i don't watch enough ddt to know if otis he probably would be he'd probably be over in ddt you you can't see them holding like the imaginary gun to him and like him like making grunting sounds and uh you know you 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 can't picture a match between him and dino (laughs) i can i can i just don't think the, the people that i'm speaking to i don't think are i'm talking about like the in earnest like WWE fans that are defending Otis in our mentions and that sort of stuff. What else they watch? Like, what are... I mean, mostly, like, for these matches in general. Like, people that found Bruce Pritchard taking a shit funny, what else do you watch in your normal life? Like, what other shows do you consume besides wrestling? Yeah, I That you think that that's funny, that Doink the Clown... A a man in a Doink wig appeared next to a chair, and that's hilarious to you. Like, what else do you watch? Wasn't that guy wearing, like, a fucking button-up office shirt? Yeah, he had, like, glasses on and, uh, and, and yeah, it, it, it wasn't even supposed to be Doink the Clown. It was supposed to be a man dressed up like Doink or something. Yeah, and they and they never went back to it. It was just a guy no. in the office in Doink paint, and then it wasn't even supposed to be Doink. Like, they didn't get Steve Lombardi, right, which they easily could have done, right? They could have gotten Steve Lombardi to do Doink, but no, it was just some guy in a fucking button-up shirt with Doink paint. And then they played clown music for a second, and he went away, and they never went back to it. That why is what is funny about that? 
someone explain what what's funny about yeah that. what's funny about that and what else do you watch like what what other i want to know what else is on your dial you know when when your dial what a fucking <laughs> ridiculous old term that i use it but don't <laughs> but you yeah. think there would have been a way for them to do genuinely funny cameos and incorporate them into the match like okay you know the sports center commercials where randomly there's just like uh there's like uh mascots walking around working right yeah yeah and it's amusing it's it's kind of funny or like there's an athlete working in the cubicle next to the sports right right like the the, the one that i always love is scott van pelt steals you know lebron's you know uh uh you know king james or whatever and he's got this giant chair or whatever and it's gold plated or whatever and lebron's like hey did you steal my uh chair and he's like no i don't know where you got that idea lebron it's like he's in a giant you know giant king and it's all it's like again it's a nice little humor and lebron's like all right and he just goes and sits back on his normal desk chair and kind of like yeah lebron come lebron comes to work and he he goes in his chair but it's like a regular desk chair right, and he and sits like, in and he's like this isn't right this isn't this doesn't my chair. feel right, <laughs> right. So he goes to he goes to the next cubicle and scott van pelt's sitting in a gold-plated thor uh throne <laughs> yeah and he's like scott did you switch chairs and it's funny because in real offices people switch chairs and but and, and and you know, so you see the obvious joke there. He's like, "No, I don't, I don't know, LeBron. I don't know what happened to your chair." Right? He's sitting in the man's fucking throne. Like, you, there's things they could have done along those lines that may have been humorous or funny or amusing, and they did nothing of the sort. Nothing they did was humorous or funny or amusing. I don't know what's funny about Brother Love flushing a toilet. I I don't know. Brother Love took a shit, and Rey Mysterio Jr. Like, he didn't even see the shit. He just heard the man flush a toilet. Like, they didn't even do that unfunny joke properly, right? Shouldn't they have brawled into the stall that he come out of and then they, right, like... Right, and like, ooh, sminky, ooh, it smells. Yeah, they didn't even do that. He just heard a, a, a thing flush. He could have just taken a piss, you know? Yeah, I, it's... I, who knows, man? <laughs> horrible. What a horrible match. What a horrible segment of this fucking podcast. Um, and I just don't want to talk about it. Yeah, anymore. let me uh, like like as quickly as possible. Let's go over the rest of these things. Fucking yeah, we got Mac- the rest of the card. Yeah, Drew yeah. McIntyre defeated Seth Rollins, retained the okay. title. Okay, okay, stop. You need to stop. This is the point in a WWE <laughs> review segment where Rich just gets frustrated. I'm, done. I'm over it. Come on. And let's there's go. no more. The effort level is gone. He has no interest in breaking anything down. I try my best to revive it. It doesn't work, and he just wants to just. Because you can hear the tone in his voice. This happens every time we preview a review at WWE pay-per-view. Rich, there are many people who think that Drew McIntyre Seth Rollins was a great match. You didn't think it was a great match? It's fine. It was okay. I didn't think it was great either. I thought it was very good. I thought they worked hard. For, but... for the circumstances, I thought it was as good as you can not as good as you can do in an empty arena, but pretty damn good for an empty arena, I should say. For WWE empty arena. I think it was pretty good. Um but I couldn't pull the trigger and go notebook on it. But uh, but yeah, it was it was pretty good. It was pretty good. Braun Strowman defeating Bray Wyatt for the Universal Championship. Do you have the energy to bury this or no? I really don't. Yeah, I really don't. I mean, essentially, all you need to know uh, is for ten minutes they had a normal match, and then weird puppets showed up, and then it became not normal, and then Braun just beat him, and then it was over. Except for they also did the thing where Braun had a mask because it was the old. Wyatt family mask and then Bray Wyatt said ah you finally come home I knew you would and then Braun said no and stomped on it and beat him so 
cares? Like, obviously, look, this was atrocious. This was fucking arguably... garbage. All the wrestling yeah. in it was horrible, just horrid, just so yeah. bad. They, w- I, honestly, I would have given them more respect if they just immediately went to the campy bullshit right away. Don't even humor me with five minutes of wrestling. Get the, f- you know, you're not wrestling. You know, you're not trying to be wrestling. Just go right to the bullshit and get it over with quicker, please. Yeah, um, but what about the idea that Braun? basically beat Bray at the psychological game. So well then what's the point of Bray? Right? Rich couldn't give two fucks about You're right though. I mean <laughs> I'm thinking about it. Yeah. I don't, I don't give a shit. But also yeah, you can't cuz like that was his the, the whole thing that Bray Wyatt has that he's not a he's not a better wrestler than you, but he, he gets in your brain and works your mind into and, and, and pulls it in very different directions. And, and you don't know what, you know, you believe in anymore and all that sort of stuff. And then Braun just said, nah, I don't fucking care. And then stops the mask and beats him. So, um, yeah, yeah. I don't, <laughs> I don't know where you go from here with Bray, but well, where you go from there is he has to face the fiend. Oh, you're right. This was just against Bray. Yeah. He's got to face the fiend oh, I didn't think and, of that. and the, and the fiend is going to convince him to let me in. That's what's gonna happen. The best part about all this Braun, all, all this Bray Wyatt shit, is it's so bad, but you just know that Bray just watches it back that night, and it's just like, "Fuck you!" Yeah. You know what I mean? He's like, "Yeah, I nailed it!" Like, <laughs> yeah, the puppet came, and then he stopped the mask. Oh yeah, like they just think it's the greatest shit. You know what I mean? Yeah. His arms around JoJo, he's proud. Yeah. You know? And he's like telling he her, no, pauses. Wait, wait, okay, wait. so this thing also, yeah. so the reason Braun has this mask, honey, is because when he was in the Wyatt fan, and she knows, you know what I mean? She's like rolling her eyes, scrolling on Instagram, like, uh-huh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like, yeah, so he used to be in the Wyatt family, and that's the mask he wore. Okay, uh-huh, yeah, yeah, okay. <laughs> this is totally like when I watch Sopranos with TLB right. and uh, and describe the storylines in extreme detail, and she's just like, can you unpause it now? Can we finish the episode? You know, that's that is that is uh, Bray Wyatt describing his storylines to to a very disinterested uh, Jojo. You're absolutely right. And she's just at this point, she's fucking with her phone or she's pretending the baby is crying to escape the room because she doesn't want to hear this shit either. Oh, she's full in like Instagram story looking like she's just like tap, 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 like just going nuts or scrolling up and down uh, the account, maybe liking a few things. But yeah, she's, you know, not even looks up occasionally goes, "Uh uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And then yeah. the puppet shows up, and then the puppet's bloody, but then Braun is it's just like it's so bad. It's so terrible. Well, he will be the fiend. You're right, I didn't think will, of that, yeah. And Braun will let him in. Could you imagine playing back these reviews like going back in time <laughs> and playing these reviews for us in like tw- 2013? Like, what what? Let him in? The fiend what? <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, but that—that's—that's that's what. This, and people like this shit. There's people who genuinely, yep. when it comes to the fiend, think this shit is brilliant and think that this is great pro wrestling. And they are on Reddit, so hi Reddit folks. So yeah, and I mean breaking down. Oh, well, the reason Braun Strowman wore the black mask. We get it, dude. We understand. We don't need you to tell us. Like we got it. I mean, yeah, watch. We got it up, Rocks. We got I mean, it. Like, we know. We get it. It's not that exciting. Watch anything else. I mean, try a little Mid South. You know, go watch a little All Japan from 1992. You want to see some? I mean, geez, you can't think that this is great if you've. I, I just I don't understand. I mean, uh, like what you like, but God, this yeah. fiend stuff is. Well, speaking of not understanding uh, what happened, uh, Bailey defeats Tamina, SmackDown Women's Championship. This was so bad. How bad was this match? You know, I thought that um, 
this was way better than I thought it was going to be. I was pleasantly surprised. I don't think it was good, but I thought it was passable. I thought it was a perfectly average match. I thought that, um, you know, at any point during a Tamina match, it can fall apart badly. And it almost did a couple of times, but I don't think that it ever crossed that line. And I think that um, I was I was stunned at how not bad this was. So, how about that for an alternate? There you go. Wow. Yeah. All right. So I mean, look, look again. You know, I wasn't scrambling for the notebook. <laughs> I was going to say, I don't pen. think the pen got clicked during this, but that's yeah, fine. I didn't click the seven dollar pen. But I didn't think I watched this match and I thought that wasn't bad. It wasn't a bad match. You know, the finish got a little wonky. You know, and. Tamina wasn't super smooth during the finish, but I think during the meat of the match, Tamina came across like a monster, and I think that was the idea, you know, at minimum. You know, I'm, look, I'm not grading on a hard scale here. They all they accomplished, I think, what they set out to accomplish at a minimal level, and I thought that this had train wreck written all over it, particularly in front of an empty arena. So I was actually pleasantly surprised at how this all turned out. Um, Bobby Lashley, R-Truth. This, for people that did not see this, essentially R-Truth was supposed to face MVP, and then MVP got replaced by Bobby Lashley, but R-Truth doesn't know that Bobby Lashley and MVP are different because he's stupid, Joe. So when he lost backstage, he said, wow, MVP, he lost, he, he gained some weight. <laughs> so I tell you, it's... it's... <laughs> ah, my, I'm, in, I'm in stitches, Joe. I can't even... Gut-busting humor. <laughs> Gut-busting humor. R-Truth, too. Just so unfunny. I, I, you know, it's just people go nuts for the R-Truth stuff. I just I don't think it's funny either. Um, no fun lands are fine. Call me whatever you want. But I just, I don't find it humorous at all. I, I, I don't know. I think things that are funny are funny. Yeah, I, I like com- comedy is funny. Um, funny movies are funny. Uh, stand-up comedy that's funny is funny. Funny stuff. I think funny stuff's pretty funny. But, you know, that's, that's me, so. Funny TV shows are pretty funny. So, that's just me, though. Uh, Fatal 4-Way tag team match for the SmackDown tag team titles. Uh, New Day, they uh, retain the titles. They defeat the Forgotten Sons, Miz and Morrison, and Lucha House Party. Joe, I thought this was a hell of a match. Far and away the best match on the show, I think. Either this or or Drew and Seth. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, they'd probably be neck and neck for me, maybe tied. But I thought this was really, really good action between all these guys. Yeah, they went out there and killed it. I mean, they went out there and it was all action. The one thing I'll say about the match is they just missed the peak. And I know that's weird to say when there's no fans to really peak it. But you know what I mean. Like, if they would have ended the match, they went a little too long because they had to work in the Jackson Riker spot where he gets ejected. Which, okay, hold on a minute. Hold on. <laughs> about that spot. Yeah. You know where I'm going. It's a no DQ, right? Because they tell you all right. the time, well, Fatal 4 ways are no DQ. And Corey Graves says it a thousand times during this match that, if, well, Fatal 4 way, there's no DQ. Why the fuck would Jackson Riker go away? Why wouldn't he just say, fuck off, ref? I don't care. Well, you know. Why didn't he just roll in the ring and beat up everybody else? And let the referee tell him, hey, get out of here. And just say, fuck you. I'm not going anywhere. It's because um, pro wrestling is fucking stupid. Yes, okay. And you have to suspend your logic sometimes. Uh, But yeah, dumb. Very dumb. But um, if they didn't, like, whenever there's a four-way match or something like this and there's a manager on the outside, they have to do a spot where the manager gets thrown out. Yeah, they've so they done had- that now. They go to that well every single time now. That that's become the new barricade. The guy getting speared through the barricade is the manager who gets sent to the back thing is just way overdone in all wrestling right now. So they did that big dive spot and then they threw Riker out. But if they had ended the match 
five, not five minutes earlier, but like one or two minutes earlier when it had peaked inside the ring. Um, I may have flirted with going notebook on this, but it went a little too long. And I, it, it just, it just went too long. It's just one of those matches that went a little too long. Um, but otherwise, you know, they worked real hard. I thought that, um, you know, it had a real hard pace, which was nonstop. And, um, you know, and it wasn't just your turn, my turn, roll out of the ring. It just felt like there were bodies flying around all over the place. I really, I enjoyed it. The show got off to a real good start. Um, and then you didn't, I assume you didn't uh, go on to your award-winning WWE Network uh, earlier in the night to watch Jeff Hardy and Cesaro, right? No, people tell me that I should. I've heard it's good, but yeah, I'm not. I'm not <laughs> going to watch that. Sorry. <laughs> I mean, I, Rich, I watch a lot of wrestling. I watch a lot of wrestling. It's like I can't muster the enthusiasm to go back and watch a 16-minute empty arena WWE yeah, match, exactly. pre-show match. I can't. I just I don't know. There's but, there's literally in in in, in like uh, an unobtainable amount of wrestling that I would like to watch. You know what I mean? Like there there's so much stuff that I've never watched, companies I've never watched, wrestling from countries I've never seen, great matches, good ma- like n- there's never in 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 ever in my life would I say, oh man, I gotta go check out the 16 minute WWE match. Even if it was good, I, I'm sorry. There's just too much else that I want to watch. So sorry. yeah. Yeah. I gotta watch zero one for God's sake. So I don't have time for this. So that's never be money in the bank twenty twenty. So I'd really like to stop watching WWE, but <laughs> I, I wish they're they're getting so absurd it's... that I think I can maybe sell it to you one of these days. That they're so absurd that they're not pro wrestling anymore. But um, they're enough. Nah. They're close enough where we still have to talk about them. It's a parody of pro wrestling. Yeah. It, it, it's it's a parody of pro wrestling is what it is. Um, you know, I, I didn't see as much praise for the money in the bank thing as I did for the other. No, I think everybody kind of agreed that it sucked. Like that, that it was. I, I really expected on Sunday to, to open up Twitter and it just be like, "Oh my god, that was great," or how different that was, or how unique. I think everybody kind of realized, and maybe everyone's realizing that all this that that WWE is pretty bad at the cinematic shit. That they got kind of lucky with the Boneyard match, and people lied to themselves about the Wyatt thing. But like, really, when you get down to it, it it's, it's not very good. Yeah, um, yeah, it didn't have either. Now there were people who got mad at me for saying that I didn't really, I didn't even come down that hard of it on Twitter. I just basically said, "I don't know what you want me to say. It's not entertaining." And there were some people who got who came into the mentions, but it wasn't like when we buried the other cinematic stuff and people were just like wanting us dead. Um, it wasn't the same level of vitriol. So I don't know. I don't think this one was as well received even by the hardcore WWE crowd as the other ones were. All right, let's uh, quickly, we'll, we'll jump over to Japan here with uh, the rest of the topics uh, for the day. Uh, first one, New Japan Pro Wrestling reopening uh, plan here is so uh, Harold May, uh, New Japan president, uh, released a video a few days ago uh, presenting a, quote, roadmap uh, for live events returning and provided some additional updates as well uh, for New Japan. Uh, he said, first off, that uh, the performers have had a chance to rest and heal uh, because, of course, New Japan has not run a show since uh, coronavirus started uh, popping up, while as most other companies in Japan have run something, uh, New Japan has run nothing. Uh, he did say that New Japan World subs have not fallen significantly, and online merch sales are still positive. Do you, do you buy that? Like, I don't, I don't see any reason why he would lie, right? About what? About the New Japan subs not falling? I mean, isn't... I, I don't know enough about it, but I think... 
I think Bushiroad is publicly traded in Japan. Now, I don't know enough about their laws. If they were an American company, I'd say he can't say that because he can get in huge trouble for that. If it works the same in Japan, then that can't be a lie. Or he'd he'd really be right, right, right. risking a ton by just throwing out – by making just some little minor face-saving comment that really no one cares about anyway. He'd be risking a lot. So if it works the same in Japan as it does here, then no, he's not lying. Yeah, and I mean, I guess that'd be cool. But I'm just I'm surprised that there isn't more people, you know, falling off. Like I know I haven't because it's like ah, whatever, who cares? It's nine dollars. I haven't like I haven't unsubscribed, and but I really haven't used it either. But the reason I haven't unsubscribed is I feel like it's going to be too much of a hassle to resubscribe. Yeah, I've been since day one, so it's like whatever, man. Uh, it's fine, just keep it. I just want to leave it alone. Like I'm afraid with it being a Japanese service, I'm going to have trouble re up. I just just leave it alone. I don't want to. I don't want to deal with it. So I just leave it there. It's only fucking nine dollars or whatever. Right, and I'll- they've done a decent job with the new content they've had. But like you're saying, I haven't logged into that thing once. I've logged into all Japan, obviously, to watch the new stuff. I've logged into Dragon Gate. I've logged into everything else. But yeah, I haven't once logged into New Japan World since they haven't done live shows. Neither have I, but there might be a point where I want to go watch a match. And I just think it's easier and more convenient to keep the sub than... Oh, absolutely. Yeah, for sure. I don't even know how to cancel. I wouldn't even know how to cancel. I, I You know, because I've just had it from day one. And then I'd be worried about getting back in. Because there's other Japanese services where I've had trouble subscribing. And I'm not patient enough to look for the answers and I just throw my hands. I don't want to deal with it. So I'd rather just stay subscribed. Yeah, take my take my $9 and whatever. $9. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Yeah. Like, I, don't, I don't care. But anyway. Um, first step to return uh, to live events is empty arena shows when the state of emergency restrictions are lifted. So there's a little bit of a caveat there. So he says the first step to return is empty arena shows, but that is when the state of emergency restrictions are lifted. Yeah. Now um, you and I kind of, and, and, and people have asked me a ton of times on the Q and A's that we do on, on Patreon. You and I have talked about this before. I, I'm of the mindset that you've waited this long without doing empty arena shows why not wait another month or two or three or whatever? Like, if realistically you can have shows with fans by, I'm just throwing a date out here. I'm not saying anything in particular, but say by August, July, they say, you know what? You can have fans. They have to sit six feet apart. You can only be 50% capacity or whatever, but you can have fans. I would rather New Japan return like that than return to do Empty Arena because you've already waited till halfway through May. You've already said that when the state of emergencies restrictions are lifted and all that sort of stuff is lifted, why would you go and do that? Now you've already why wouldn't you have just run empty arena this last these last two months then? If you're gonna do it again. Like the optics to me, I don't like the optics of New Japan running empty arena. Not when you've waited this long. Yeah, I don't understand it. Um unless they have to fulfill some television obligations that we don't know about, which to be honest, which is why I figured the smaller companies in Japan were running empty arena because I figured they just needed content to fulfill television obligations. Otherwise, what's the point? I remember way back at the beginning of this when companies were talking about running empty arena, and I was like, why? Why would you run shows? The whole point of pro wrestling is to draw money. So why are you running shows if you can't draw money? It's a waste of time. But then I figured, oh, well, they might have TV deals over there and they have to provide content to these, you know, Gayora or whoever, um, all the various networks. So that's kind of why I figured these companies were running. Otherwise, there's really no point, you know. Or, or it's it, even from the perspective of, well, we're paying our wrestlers anyway. We may as well put them to work. That just sounds cruel if you're not deriving any income from it. So I don't know. I don't see the point here. Is it just to do they feel like this has gone on long enough and they need to 
you know, assuming they don't need to run because of television obligations, which they would have been running if that was the case, right? So it's like, then why run? Is it just, do they feel like this has gone on to the point where they need to get back fresh in people's minds? So people right, they don't want out of sight, out of mind, the people forget about us if we're not. Yeah, I guess, but... But I don't agree with that. I think if they waited until they're allowed to have crowds and had a show, it'd be the biggest fucking thing in Japan, pro wrestling-wise. You know, because the anticipation and the fact that they haven't run makes it even more special. So unless there's a business reason to run, I don't understand the point of running. And that goes for any of these companies. WWE and AEW have a business reason to run. Their existence is at stake. I get it. UFC, same thing. Their company's in the shitter. They need that revenue badly. The pay-per-view revenue and everything else. If New Japan doesn't have any business obligations to fulfill, what's the point of running? Right. If you so, tell us that New Japan World you know, subscriptions are fine, then why do we need to have empty arena dojo shows? Right. You've even gone out of your way to say that the one revenue stream you still have is doing okay. So you can't even come at me from that angle. Oh, well, we got to get these subs back up. You're saying, you just told me the subs are doing fine. So either that's a lie or there's some other business reason because otherwise there's no reason to do this. I don't understand it. And I, I'm just working under the assumption that the other Japanese companies are fulfilling television obligations because if they're not, and they're just running for shits and giggles. I don't understand that either. It doesn't make any sense. Just go dark until you're allowed to come back then. So I don't get the empty arena thing unless it's required for your continued existence. Yeah, I, I wonder who's – I mean because you've waited this long. So what changed from the last month and a half to this week then? Is it just it's gone on long enough and we're not confident when we're going to have people again and we we don't want to be – you know gone for eight months i i don't know i don't know yeah it, 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 it but it's so weird now that you you know you've waited this long what what changed what changed in the last week or so that now made you say ah you know what we'll do and they're and they're not saying that they're going to do them like right away they're saying when the state of emergency restrictions are lifted that's when they're going to run the empty arena shows and we don't know when that's going to be and we don't know if that's ever you know it's going to be june july august September, whatever that's going to be but like yeah at that rate like i i, I just don't understand why now you're going to run empty arena stuff because obviously now it's getting the point I'm going to make. They have to be making money off it in some way. Yeah. Otherwise, right, right. there's no point in doing it. Because you look at it logically, if you're not making money off it, then there's no reason to do it. Um, you know, these are businesses. So I just need to figure out, or someone needs to get to the bottom of, how are they going to make money off these empty arena shows? Because they're still paying their employees and their wrestlers they're losing money, and now maybe they're figuring, okay, we need to start bringing in some kind of income, you know, outside of the over-the-top subscriptions and whatever merch we're selling. Yeah, right. Which is again, and that would be my one thing is like, okay, we want to, you know, we want to increase New Japan World subs. That's fine. Okay, that makes all the sense in the world. You're saying that they're not falling significantly, but maybe you're saying, hey, look, if we run shows, maybe we'll get a bunch of new people that will, will subscribe to us. I don't know if I believe that though, because if we look at the precedent set by other empty arena wrestling, eh, I don't know. <laughs> like, and people don't really love empty arena wrestling. We've seen that, right. especially if you're going to do it domestically and, and, and worldwide or whatever. 
the American audience has showed you that they don't really care for for empty arena wrestling, whether it be WWE, whether it be all Japan, or uh, uh, AEW or anything like that. So there's that, and then they say that the merch sales are still positive. So it's like that's the other thing that I'm thinking is like, oh well, they want to sell some merch. They want you to say, hey, here's Sonata, and hey, Sonata's got a new T-shirt, uh, New Japan World. You know, go to the website and, and buy that. Which again, that makes sense. But you told me right there that online merch sales are still positive. So the two things that I have questions about, you say are are, are fine. So now it's like, okay, well then what? <laughs> you know, what's the difference? Yeah, there, there's there's got to be a money trail here for them to do this complete 180 on it and decide that they're going to do empty arena. Um, now. Look, I don't care what their reason is. I'm, I'll watch it. That's a different discussion. I mean, of course I'll watch it. Um, my preference, just from a selfish viewer standpoint, is that they wait until they can have fans. Because I think it's kind of cool that they're the only place that hasn't run. Well, they're not. They're Ring of Honor. and Yeah, yeah, yeah. But 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 in Japan, it's it's cool. Like, cause, and, and that's the thing. Like, Tanahashi said that not that long ago when they did the, you know, the meeting with the leaders or whatnot. And he said, well, I want New Japan to be like the thing that when everybody knows that we're back... New Japan Pro Wrestling is back, and the crowds are going to be there, and all this, and and now that's kind of gone. With that's gone. I mean, even if you just run shows with with essentially exhibition matches, young lions, squashes, nothing that matters too much to the overall canon of the promotion or the storylines, you're still taking something away from the big return because you weren't completely gone. You're blowing your return on some dopey empty arena show. And, you know, it's it's like that does take some of the edge off of a big return in front of fans. Now, if they need to do this for a, some sort of business reason for their survival, I can't knock them for it. You know, if their television partners are telling them that they need content or want content or are going to pay them for content or they're, I don't even know what they're running in their time slot right now for the last two months since they haven't run any shows, then yeah, I understand it. And if it can bring in a little income when they're really not making any other significant income, since they're basically a live event company, which is still the the meat of their business is tickets. So I get it. I get it. If you know the Bushi road, if the guys in that room are like, Hey, listen, we got to find a way to bring a little more money in. Right, right, right. I understand it. You know, I get it. You got it. You got to do. What you got to do. You know, so I'm not going to get on them for the same reason I don't get on AEW or WWE. I get it. So, um, but I would prefer if, if if they could hold out until there's fans because I really think that would be special. But you know, reality steps in, and it, you know, it, it looks like that's the direction they're moving in. How about Harold May? Did you watch the video? Uh, I did. Yeah, I fell asleep during it, but I did watch it, yes. Yeah, Harold, can we get to the point, please? <laughs> He's droning on for nine minutes. He could have done that in three minutes. I mean, geez. But he is, a, he is definitely a business executive. Like, you, you, you've you, met Harold May before. You know what I mean? Like, Harold May has come to your store, or you've been to a, a, a Christmas party or whatever, and he is just the the most monotone. He's he's very clearly a business executive. Where yeah, I mean we've all worked for that. The guy. worst guy to talk yeah. to at the party. Yeah. <laughs> you just cannot wait for something to happen so you can end the conversation with him and, and move on and say, ah, you know, what? I gotta go to the bathroom. I'll be right back though. And then obviously you, yeah. you hopefully never go back and talk to him. So a guy so far up the chain that it really doesn't matter if you make a positive or negative impression on him because he doesn't know your name. Like that's the kind of guy he is. 
You know, we all have that guy in whatever company we work for where there's the one big boss where you're the impression you make on him really fucking matters. Right. And you're nervous. But then there's someone above him who it really doesn't matter. Like he's detached from the reality of the business. Like he don't know who you are anyway, you know, and he doesn't really care. That's like what this video was like. Like he's sitting here talking about these pieces of merch that are selling well. (laughs) Nobody cares. Get to the point. Let's bring it home, Harold. Bring it home. Let's go. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, geez. But uh, but then he's like, you got this huge company, Bushi Road, and this New Japan, second biggest wrestling company in the world. He's holding up like a a fucking paper diagram, <laughs> ripping pieces off. and ripping off pieces of tape to reveal like the next. Like, does anyone in that company like know how to run PowerPoint? I mean, what's happening yeah, here? Screen share? Can we get a screen share here? Can we get a PowerPoint? Yeah, what's what are we doing? This was like the Wayne's World gimmick from 1988. Like on Saturday Night Live, where they'd have the board up, and he would r- literally rip off a piece of paper to reveal the next thing on the list. Like, yeah, God, this came off low rent. You know, it was charming in a way, but uh, I was hoping it would malfunction. I was hoping like he'd rip off like the tape, and like two of them would come off, and it would like blow the, you know, blow the spot for the next point he was going to make. But um, yeah, if you haven't seen that video, don't big waste of time <laughs> right we 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 summed up all the parts that uh are matter he does say that the next step is bringing fans back uh and that will occur when the wrestlers and staff are tested uh fans are subject to temperature checks uh mask will be mandatory and arenas will be thoroughly disinfected and ventilated noting the elimination of smoking areas no more gross smokers in these arenas joe uh, along with space between seats to meet social distancing standards with half capacity shows uh at first so about what about what we'd expect. I mean, obviously you're not going to get you know ten thousand people in an arena right away, but you know, yeah, that, that that's it's fine. It's just you know, it's it's well, what everyone's any, doing these days. So any fans in the building is going to you know be such a dramatic change in atmosphere. I mean, just on Dynamite this week, where they had people scattered around the building in different sections, right? And there was that audible buzz going on during the show. Oh, they did My- a great job. They gave the guys noisemakers, like, you know, uh, what's his face? Yeah. had, like, bricks or something like that. There's, Yeah, they, they've gotten it. AEW has figured it out, man. And WWE is so stubborn. I mean, they need to put 50 to 100 people in that dopey little performance center all spread out to make some noise. There's no reason it shouldn't be done. I mean, um, it, it just helps Dynamite's atmosphere exponentially, you know? But, um, you know, so when you start putting partial fans in these arenas in Japan, it's going to make such a difference. Just when I go back and watch older stuff from this year and there's fans in the crowds, it's like you're like at first you're like, whoa. Oh, yeah, this is what wrestling is supposed to sound. (laughs) This is really cool, you know. But, um, yeah, I don't know. There's got to be a financial benefit to it. There has to be. So um, I really don't see any upside otherwise. I, I don't think things like. Um, just staying. I don't think New Japan needs to stay fresh in people's minds. We know they're there, right? Exactly. Yeah. At, at this point, you've there. waited. You've waited. People will wait another month and a half or two months or whatever. I, the only thing I would say is if they if they have the indication that look things are not going to be back to normal, you're not going to be able to have fans in your show for another year or whatever. Then at that point, say, hey, look, we've been told that we're probably not going to have fans for a year, so we're going to restart because we want to provide you entertainment. And provide you the stars in New Japan Pro Wrestling or whatever. Like I get that. If if you get that news, 
I get it. But if you're saying, hey, we're, we're, we're working at the next steps, we're, we're working our way, it's going to be a, a few step pattern, skip the, the empty arena step and just go right to the step where fans are back. Yeah, we're, we're, I mean, we're a step away from partial fan participation. Right. Let's wait then. Unless, again, like, unless it's a year out, then let's just, let's just skip this in between step and, and wait for the, the, the fan back step. I, I agree. If the government was telling them a year, yeah, you just got to get back at it. But we're, we're like a month away from letting fans in. So what's the rush to do some dopey empty arena show unless there's a money trail? There's a money trail here somewhere. It's obvious. Yeah, of course. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, none of these companies like that's and that's what we, we tried to reiterate last week. And I think I think we did a pretty good job of it because I didn't hear a lot of pushback is is, you know, all these companies would love to say, hey, guys, stay home. We're going to pay you all your money and, and we'll wait till things are back. But that's just completely unrealistic. Someone somewhere is saying, hey, Harold, what's going on? <laughs> you know, and he's going, hey, well, you're the, you know, the thing. Hey, I can't do anything. And they're going, yeah, Harold, we know. But, you know, <laughs> like, yeah, <laughs> you know, that 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 conversation is happening with every company. Every company is going through that same conversation. It would be great if we could all, as we said last week, go home, sit, wait, but that's just not unrealistic. Fox, USA, TNT, Bushy Road, Samurai TV, whoever it is, you know, these companies have to answer to somebody. And you got to come up with a solution. When you get that call that says, hey, what are you doing about this? You can't just say, well, coronavirus, eh, it doesn't work anymore. It should, it'd be nice if it did, but no one's in the position to do that. So, Well, especially in the case of Bushy Road where they can say, well... All of these other companies are running empty arena and presumably making some kind of money off of it, whether it's fulfilling television obligations or being paid to do the shows, whatever the case may be. They're not running. They're not running for shits and giggles. They're not running for your entertainment. They're running because there's a benefit there somewhere. So Bushy Road's probably looking at that and saying, well, you know, even though we're able to absorb this more than these others. You know, it'd be nice to bring in a little extra cash as well. So I just I fail to believe that there's not some money trail here. There has to be. Um, Particularly when. You're you're very close to being able to charge fans anyway. I really wish they just hold off. But again, I'm not in the room. Right. I don't know who's saying what or or who's telling them to do what. Yeah, you you don't know. It's, you know, without being in that business room and without, you know. I don't know what their books look like. Yeah. And, you know, so and I don't know what benefit there is to to doing the empty arena. But just from a fan perspective, it'll undoubtedly take the edge off of the big return. It won't have the same panache that it would have had before. All right. So let's get to some of these other shows here. So we got three things that we're going to talk about. Dragon Gate's King of Gate, which is a big tournament starting tomorrow. Actually, we're recording this on the 14th, starting the 15th. Two uh, AW, Joe. You have kept up on your two AW. You got to keep up with two AW. That's pandemic, man. You got to watch your, you know, formerly known as uh, Kaintai Dojo, and also Zero One, a Zero One show that you and I both watch. What do you want to start with here? Uh, let's do the uh, Zero One. We both saw that, right? Yes. So. Yep. Um, you did not see any of the two AW. Correct? I have not caught up in my uh, active advance or whatever the fuck wrestling. <laughs> I forget what it's I, called. Yeah. Listen, I am on top of the active advance pro wrestling, sir. <laughs> right. You cannot. Uh, you can't skip active advance pro wrestling. Not during one of these times. Yeah, I have not fallen behind on my active advance pro wrestling. But zero one had themselves a little show here with a uh, big title match on top. Kohei Sato defending against Chris Vice. I'll say something about zero one, and I know this is low hanging fruit. And I know it's going to come off hack, but in the case of both Zero One and Active Advance Pro Wrestling, 
the atmospheres aren't that much different. You know, it's like a typical zero one show wasn't going to have that many more people. <laughs> right. The there maybe was 60 to 80 more people at an actual zero one show as opposed to this. Or active advanced show. Like, <laughs> right. Okay. You're talking about 300 people versus the 40 or 50 people meandering around photographers, other wrestlers, production people. You know, it's really not that drastic of a, like, the difference between WWE and why it comes off so poorly is you're going from 8,000 people every Monday to zero. Right, exactly. Yeah, whereas you watch a zero-one show and it doesn't feel like it's this unbelievable, it's not hitting you over the head that there's nobody there. I mean, a lot of times these zero-one shows have no atmosphere anyway. Right, it's dark and dingy and it's quiet, but that's what they always are, so it's like... It's, <laughs> you know, it's like, you know, so it's like, I know that's going to sound hacky and like we're doing bad shtick and we're going for low-hanging fruit for a bit, but it's the truth. Like, I'm watching these shows. I and enjoyed like, this show. This was great because it was like, yeah, it felt normal. <laughs> it, 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 like exactly. In a weird it didn't really feel all that out of the ordinary. You know, it, the, the bad atmosphere didn't hit me upside the head like Okay, so full disclosure here. There was a big Noah show this week, and I pitched it to Rich as one of the topics. And I'm gonna put all I'm gonna make Rich the heel here and put the heat on him. He's like, I can't do Noah anymore. I need a break from Noah. The atmosphere is atrocious. I cannot do it. You know? And it's like, I get it. Because the atmosphere at the Noah shows do stink. Yeah, it bores me to tears. Because they're doing their normal show and their normal wrestling, but there's just nobody there. And it's just, yeah, it bores me to fucking tears. 25-minute matches. And, you know, we talked about it last week. And Rich is like, I just can't. I need a break from Noah. Maybe next week we get back into it. Because, you know, there was the big national title match Mm -hmm. that people are raving about. We'll talk about it. Just not this week. Yeah, we'll get to it eventually. And Rich is just like, Joe, I can't. I cannot fucking do Noah. I need a break from the Noah. It's killing me because it's so goddamn dry. You know, and and I get it, but I watched these these zero one and two AW shows this week, and I really it didn't hit me. Look, it's look, I'd much rather have fans, but they didn't hit me in the same way. And the zero one show, I mean, the matches were all decent lengths, and I thought it was a nice, easy two hour watch. I I, I enjoyed it. I didn't. I don't think it was some kind of great show, but um, you know, the world title match, I came into it unspoiled, and um, <laughs> I really liked it. I mean. It's not a notebook match or anything. It was a very simple story, right? Sato is just beating the shit out of Chris Weiss for the meat of this match to the point where he's almost not even taking him seriously. He's emptying the barrels. Like, he's emptying his whole moveset. He's doing fucking falcon arrow slams and just beating the shit out of this guy. And then he gives him a German. And Weiss does the no-sell on the German, but not the full no-sell. Kind of like the fighting spirit no-sell where he pops up and he gives Sato a running lariat and then they both collapse. You know the spot I'm talking about? Yeah, so, oh, yeah exactly, yeah. So Vice like does, he's getting killed, he gets hit with a German, he pops up, he gives the lariat, they're both selling. Then, like shortly, and this was like after a pile driver and everything, he's getting his shit kicked out of him. Shortly thereafter, Vice makes a very short comeback and then wins the match in the title. And the way he sold the win, 
that look on his face. Like, he couldn't believe he did it. Right, yeah. People would. People might attribute it to being very similar to a lot of the other, like, oh, my God, I can't believe I got it. We always talk about it in WWE when, like, you know, Cedric Alexander gets a win and puts his hands on his head and goes, oh, my God, I can't believe I did that. But, like, in this one, it was done in a good way because Koi Sato so was just like this, dude, this fucking, I could beat the hell out of this guy. And it's, it's like you said, he's playing around with him. He's just doing all of his moves. It's like he's wrestling against, you know, with, with Kotobushi's dummy, you, you know, just, like, trying different moves and, hey, you know, I'll try this slam on him and I'll do this thing on him. Yeah, you know, because he's just presenting no fight whatsoever. And then, yeah, in, in a few minutes, Koi Sato, you know, wears himself out by just doing too much shit, and Chris Weiss just fucking beats him and, be, and, and wins the title. Yeah, and I wasn't expecting that. But, um, you know, he beats Sato. And look, this was, you know, it's, it, they didn't, they weren't going for an epic. They told a very simple story here, and I thought it was effective, and I liked the match. And then, um, did you let it run after the match ended? Or did I you did, get yes. Yeah, 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 I let it roll. So you saw the angle. Hartley Jackson comes out. Now, he had just won the semi-main event over Tawa uh, Iwasaki. Now, he came back to the company. Remember, we reviewed the show about a month ago, the anniversary show. Yes. Where Hartley Jackson made his big return to the company. So you knew he was going to get a push. So on this show, he wins in the semi-main event over, you know, an upper mid-card guy. And he wins a singles match. And that match was okay, too. I, I liked it. Know. I liked it a lot, actually. I, I thought Hartley was really, really good in it. Um, and and, and it was solid, too. But, yeah, I really liked I, I thought Hartley was very, very good on that semi main. I thought the whole card was pretty good. It was. Like, I uh, love the show. I'm, I'm in on zero one, man. More zero one for me. It didn't knock my socks off, but it was a good little two-hour watch. So uh, Hartley Jackson wins a semi-main event, and he comes out to challenge Chris Weiss after the main event. So what you have here is just good, simple, logical booking. The guy comes back to the company during the anniversary show as a big surprise, works his way up the card, wins a big semi-main event match against a guy who gets some booking respect, and now he's the next challenger for the title. Rich, it's a nice little well-booked easy story, and I can't believe I'm going to sit here and say this, but I'm looking forward to Hartley Jackson versus Chris Vice. I can't wait. I know. I'm the same way. I was going to come on the show and say, Joe, I can't believe it, but I'm like frothing at the mouth waiting for Hartley Jackson and Chris Vice to make tape. It's It's... Here we are, it, you know? It, it just goes to show all we want is simple, well-booked stories that we can invest in. Look, this, they're not reinventing the fucking wheel here. This is a pro wrestling story that a million promotions have told a million times. And, uh, you know, it, it's it's but it's simple and it's effective. And now I'm interested in seeing Hartley Jackson challenge this guy for the title and see if they can if he can go all the way in his return to zero one to the top and win this dopey little world title. Is that really too much to yeah, add? And, like, and we didn't need a guy in there explaining that this match is going to happen or a contract signing. Hartley just said, well, I beat someone in the semi-main event and you won the title, so let's go. Boom, done. Yeah. Like wrestling. That's It's how it's existed for years without a bunch of other fucking rigmarole. It's just two guys win, they fight each other in the next show. Nice and easy. Yeah. So what did you think of Masato Tanaka and Yuji Hino beating the old fucks? Dude, this match ruled. <laughs> this match was great. I, I did like <laughs> – one thing I did note here – uh, Yuji Hino doing his best uh, Togi Makabe cosplay. This dude was in this match for two minutes. It was yeah. 17 minutes. He, I think Masato Tanaka wrestled 1540 of those 1740. Tagged to Yuji Hino. Yuji Hino does a few things and gets the pinfall. So good for him. So. Yeah, he hit the fucking splash off the top or whatever. Right. But um, I forgot he was even I, in the match. I, w- I was thinking like, wait a minute, who's Tanaka teaming with? And I was like, oh yeah, Yuji Hino. And he gets in there and he, yeah, he charges for two minutes, gets the pinfall, it's over. And I was like, yeah, you know what? Good, good efficient work in there. But was it the splash off the top or was it the power bomb? I, uh, I thought he did this. I think he did the power bomb, but I, I don't remember. I think he did the splash. I think he did both, uh, but eventually finished him off with the power bomb. But so 
you know, they beat Shinjiro Otani and uh, and Takawa. Those are the two old fucks. But those, you know, it's it's a zero one show. You're usually going to get an old fuck tag. Um, you know, and, and Tanaka, Masato Tanaka is still one of the best. I know I talked about him a little bit last week. He is still one of the best wrestlers in the world. This guy is just a fucking machine. You would not be able to, if you and, didn't know anything about Masato Tanaka, and I showed you that match. I don't know that you'd be able to tell me he is. You know. 50 approaching 50 you know what i mean like he he works like he's like in his late 30s you know what i mean like he's a little old he gets always a little you know he's got some miles on him or whatever but he's bouncing on like i said he was in 15 minutes of this match otani and and, and Tekka, they were t- tagging in and out and 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 changing and it was all tanaka just taking it all beating him up and i, I don't know it was a really really good match but yeah tanaka was just so fucking great in it he was in one of the best tags of the year earlier this year and this was a hot little non-stop go 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 tag match here uh, I love the Takashita match that I talked about last week. And if you listen to the DDT people, they'll tell you that the Takashita match wasn't even his best match in DDT this year. So, and he supposedly just had a match in DDT this past week, which was better than the Takashita match. So, I mean, Tanaka is still right there with anyone. And, you know, especially in a year where there's not a lot to watch and you're really paying attention closer to some stuff that you might not usually pay close attention to. It really stands out just how on top of his game. And look, the old guys here were very good, too. They were this really week. good. Yeah, Otani usually doesn't land for me. I thought he was fantastic in this match. He was really, really good. Even Takao, both of them were yeah. very good here. You know, and and this was the best match on the show, just from a bell-to-bell perspective, in my opinion. I enjoyed the main event, but it wasn't as good of a match as this tag match. But um, really, the last four, because, you know, there were six matches on the show. And uh, the other tag, which was uh, Takuya Sagawara... And uh, Yasu Kubata losing to Sugi. And this Reicho guy, who I guess was presented as like a mystery partner because he had the black silhouette. Right. It was an X. It was Sugi and X in this match. But yeah, I was hoping so you could, could fill in the blanks here, but I, I guess you don't know much about Reicho either. So, Rich, I don't know shit. You think I got zero one sources? So this, uh, this Reicho comes out and he's basically a bigger Sugi. He's got Sugi's gear on, the same mask, the same outfit, the same costume, but he's a little bit bigger, and he's doing Sugi's spots, too. Like, he's basically, I don't know how to describe him, like a big brother kind of thing. It's like he's wearing the same gear, and, um, you know, they win the match, obviously, but I'm into that. I want to see these two guys as a tag team more. I want to see him mix it up with Tanaka. I want to see him mix it up with the old fucks, you know, so... I think that Sugi really, and I, I talk about this a lot, but you know, he signed with Zero One two years ago, and he really brings something different to the table for them. You know, you know you're gonna get your grimy old fucks, and you know you're gonna get your the Zero One main events, their world title scene to me has always been like I don't want I don't mean this in a disrespectful way, but almost a dollar store version of the big Japan strong title scene, right? The same style of workers. Right, right. They're not going to blow you away with dynamic moves. In a lot of cases, it's the same workers. It's like the same guys a lot of the time. You know, because Sekimoto drops in, Okabayashi right. drops in. It's just in. those guys versus Koei Sato, who's I think like a six-time or seven-time champion. So it's like those guys facing Koei Sato, basically. So it's like the same style of matches that Big Japan gives you in their strong division, but they're never quite, uh, they never quite uh, land as high. But that's what their main event scene is like. So you have like the uh, strong, you know, big Japan strong division style main events. You've got the old fucks usually in the semi main event spot or peppered throughout the mid card. 
And I thought Sugi, when he signed with the company, really brought a different dynamic to Zero One. There really weren't a lot of guys in the company like him. There's really not a lot of guys like him anywhere. I mean, you know, I love this guy. He's one of my favorite wrestlers over the last 15 to 20 years because he's just so different, especially when he first hit the scene. He was yeah, so, oh, yeah he's unbelievable. Yeah, now there's a lot of guys like him, I guess, but he still does things that no one else can do. Right, and I think what, what, what helps him in Zero One, like you're saying, is that like the stuff that he does, if he was on a match, if he was on a card with Will Ospreay and 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 you know and Bushi and he was just on a New Japan Junior, if he was if, if Sugi just joined the New Japan Juniors, he, he'd kind of just like fit in. You know what I mean? Like he'd be he'd be interesting, he'd be fun, but he wouldn't but on Zero One, it's like, holy shit, look at this guy. Cause you just watched, you know, twenty minutes of guys just like, you know, grunting in the middle of the ring or whatever, and then this dude does a fucking plancha and spins and and you know, he's doing a, a, a backflip and this sort of, and like you see these little things and you're like, fuck yeah. He really jumps off the page in zero one, like 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 you're saying. There's a lot of variety on their cards now, and I think his addition has really helped that. You know, there was a lot of questions whether he would last in a promotion after going through all that turmoil. But he's been there for like three years now. He's a mainstay, and they don't over push him, but they push him just enough, and he has a presence on these cards where he just brings something different to the table. Um, and I thought the two opening match singles matches with uh, Kubata beating Kitamura. And then it was uh, Koto Hidaka beating uh, Yoka, Yokoyama. Um, we're perfectly competent opening matches that didn't overstay their welcome. And, you know, it, it's not like, um, you know, it, it, they were good. And then the, the the top four were all really good matches yeah. after mm-hmm. that. Yeah, nothing. I don't think anything on the card I, did, I didn't like. I thought everything was pretty good. The, the ones you were talking about, the first two, you know, they're eight minutes, ten minute matches or whatever. They never overstayed the welcome. They were fine. You saw some little stuff out of both guys that are, are all guys that were like, ah, okay, yeah, good, good stuff. But yeah, it wasn't like though they didn't overstay their welcome. Pretty solid matches. Then yeah, the last four were all like very, very good matches. And when it was done, I was like, man, more zero one for me, man. Two hours in and out, and four matches. You know, an hour of, of really, really good wrestling, and then another hour of like, you know. Fine. Yeah. No, I was I was all in on this show. It was a really, really good show. Yeah. So that was a really interesting show. And more importantly, it, it does have me as excited as I can be for a promotion like Zero One to see their next title match and to see where they go with this tag team with uh, Sugi and his kind of I, I don't know who the guy is. Yeah, I guess like it's, I, I thought it was supposed to be an understudy, but it doesn't appear like you said. It, he almost feels like the older brother. Like ah, bring my older brother back. Yeah, I don't I don't know anything about him. So well, just because he's bigger, I mean, but it's hard to be smaller than. I mean, Sugi's like five three or something. He's a tiny man, but um, it's just I don't know who he is. Like some guy off of this roster, or someone from the out, some indie sleazer. I don't know who the guy is, yeah, but I've always felt like. Putting a mask on someone in most cases instantly makes them more interesting. I, I don't know why more wrestlers who can't really – who aren't really getting anywhere with their career don't opt for a mask. Right. It's a fresh coat of paint, and, and, and it gives you an opportunity to – yeah. No, I, I'm with you 100%. Yeah. If you're like just a jag, particularly a jag in Japan, right, who isn't getting anywhere, you're a mid-card guy in a no, going-nowhere company like this one. You get a mask and a cool outfit. It, it just enhances your presentation so much. You know, it's not a guarantee you're going to get pushed, but you're you're going to come off more interesting, especially if you mix up your moves a little, add in a flippy do. I mean, I I don't know why more wrestlers don't opt for that, especially a lot of these indie scummers who have such bad looks. Rich, a lot of the aesthetics in these smaller Japanese companies is what really holds these promotions back to me. Because their rosters are loaded up with guys that just look like indie scummers, and it's just very off-putting. 
You know, it's an aesthetic business. And I know you're a body guy now, so you agree. <laughs> but it's like, but give these guys some masks. Give them a little flair. They all have the same shitty haircut and the same bad gear. And it's like, when you have a dumpy looking pasty body, that's a bad combination, you know? And it's like, I don't know. I it's it's. I don't think masks are utilized enough. I don't know who the fuck this guy is who's teaming with him, but I guarantee you we thought nothing of him before. Now I want to see more of him because they got a cool little gimmick going with this tag team. So, I don't know, just a random thought. No, you're, you're absolutely right. I mean, look at the top companies in Japan, the companies that have, have always sort of, you know, made it to, you know, the top of, of, of that industry. And, and, yeah, it's like, you know, Michinoku Pro, obviously, every one of those guys had their own personality with the masks and the gear and all that sort of stuff. And in New Japan, we talk about the gear and the hair is, is super important and the facial hair and all that stuff tells its own story. And, and I think Dragon Gate's done a great job of that, too. Everybody, you always know what you know who who's in what unit by the colors they're wearing you can always tell who's got the best you know the gear is always top notch in dragon gate as well and and i think that really does stand out and it's a little thing that i know it's it's a big investment for a lot of guys but it it, can, it really does go a long way in, in in making you um stand out like sugi yeah like that's a guy who yeah if he was just a normal dude without you know the gear like i don't know if he would stand out as much as he does but he's got a really cool mask and a really cool gear and he combines that with the great moves and yeah he stands out and he's a guy that you'll always you know he jumps off the page the second you see him. So yeah, I, I think I don't think anybody would disagree with you there that, that gear and, and and look is important. But you know, maybe somebody would. So. But uh, no, well, I think, but, but yeah, but my whole thing is like I don't think enough guys. I think masks should be utilized more. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I agree. Yeah, you know, because it could really cover up your lack of charisma. Some people just don't have charisma, or they just not, or they aren't expressive, and a mask can hide that. And and if you don't have a good body. If you get a mask and a full body suit or a, a, a flashy looking costume, again, that give that it's like it's like cheating to gain some charisma. And and I don't really understand why more guys don't do it, particularly a lot of these guys who you watch on some of these lower level Japanese shows and you just know their careers are going nowhere. You know, it's just and and a lot of it is the way they look. You know, and it's it's an aesthetic business and it's a business where. No, you want to stand out. Charisma matters. And, you know, try something new. Try something different. But um, I just thought about that when I saw, you know, Sugi's new partner. Yeah. um, That could very well be a guy who's just some fucking dude who. Yeah, could just be some indie scummer that's been around for five years and you would have never known. But, yeah. Who's never made an impression on us. But now he's making an impression on us because, you know, he's just got he's under a mask and he's doing flippy doos. And he's got a cool gimmick now. So it just makes a big difference. Um. Did you, were you able to find out who he was or no? I, uh, I still can't figure out. Yeah, no one on the chat room seems to know either. So uh, if you know who Right Show is, please let us know. We'll... So uh, 2AW, we've got the show from April 28th to catch up on. And then there was actually another show on May 10th. Uh, Rich, you saw neither of these? I saw neither. Yeah, I haven't seen a match from any of these. But and Let's save May 10th because I, I did not see the top two on May okay. 10th. Yeah, I'll, I'll watch it. So... Um, We've got the 428 show, and we'll talk about the top. Well, I skipped the second match because it was a three-way, and it was intergender, and it was a bunch of comedy, and I have no time for that bullshit. So I didn't watch the second match. The opener was uh, Shu Asakawa versus Daiju Wakamatsu, and it was a lot like those two zero one openers. It was a perfectly competent opening match that did not overstay its welcome between um, you know some young wrestlers who... Uh, you know, you, you could almost picture what the match was. You know, they didn't uh, overstay their welcome or try to do things they couldn't do. 
Uh, so we get into the meat of the card. We've got Kengo Mishimo and Kunio Toshima against Ayato Yoshida and Taylor Adams. Are you familiar with Taylor Adams? Uh, the name sounds semi-familiar, but I don't know that I know much else about Taylor Adams. I don't know how I feel about Taylor Adams. Um, bad look. Like, purple hair. Uh, some multicolored tights. No tan. Not much of a body. We're a, Listen, we're body guys. We're body guys now. No, no, you know what? No. I'm not going to... Are you finally admit you're a body guy, Rich? I I think I'm getting there, yeah. I'm not ready 100% to admit that I'm a body guy, but uh, I'm I'm a body enthusiast. I I appreciate a good body. I don't demand a good body. Does that make sense? You're not fully committing to the body I'm not. I'm not fully there yet, but... But I'm going to get you there. Anyway, Mishimo and Toshima win this, and um, it was a pretty damn good tag match, and it'll be significant for something we'll talk about at the end of the segment. Honestly, I thought everybody was very good here, even Adams. Adams was okay. Clearly, the, the person who surprised me here was Toshima. Toshima, in this particular match, was probably the best performer in the match, which I wasn't expecting. But uh, this was a this was a very good match. Um, we had Tank Nagai defeating Dinosaur Takuma in a singles match. Um, I like Tank Nagai. Dinosaur Takuma, I think it's time to ditch the gimmick. It's 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 too comic book. It's too uh, cartoonish. You cannot be taken seriously with a cartoon dinosaur tail. You know, I think it was okay when he was a young wrestler on the come up because it got him some attention. Right, but now we're at a point like, w- w- what's the next step in your career, dude? Like, are you just gonna be this forever? Then, you know, then okay, I guess. But yeah, like it, it's getting a little long in the tooth for sure. You'll never be a main eventer. You'll never be taken seriously wrestling in a dinosaur costume with a fucking cartoon tail. There's a way you can do a gimmick like that and have it work. The way that he's doing the gimmick, it's not going to work. Um, it's just, it's, it's, it's a little, it's a fine line. It's a little too cartoonish. So he's at a point in his career where I bet you he's about six, seven years in. How many years has he been at it? Let me see if I can find this. Yeah, I can probably, I can get it for you real quick if you want, if you want to keep talking. Um, I'm guessing about 2014 is when he got started. And because he's been with Kai and Tai Dojo. Uh, 2015. November 2015 is his in-ring career. Uh, he's probably pushing 30 at this He's point. 27. He's 27 right now. Okay. All right. Listen. An adjustment. You could even call yourself Dinosaur Takuma. You could even keep a dinosaur gimmick. The big fucking. <laughs> Comical tail. Yeah. The big plush fucking dinosaur tail has to go. And that's what I'm thinking about watching this because I'm watching him wrestle Tank and the guy, and they're very similar in size and style. One guy I take seriously, the other guy I take as a joke, you know. So, um, I don't know. It, it, it's it was effective to get him noticed. I mean, you I remember him forever from when he was a young wrestler. Whereas there's probably young wrestlers that have come through Kai and Tai Dojo with no gimmick that I don't remember. So from that perspective, it worked for him. But it's time to move away from it. I think. Yeah. Right. Right. Um. So this is the match I really wanted to dig into was Chango and Kaiji Tomato. We reviewed their last, I think, the match where they won the titles. They defended here against Katero Yoshino and Tatsuya Hanami. Rich, notebook material, man. You got to go watch this. This was excellent. And I came away from this match thinking that in a really weird year, Chango and Kaiji Tomato are easily one of the five best tag teams in the world from what I've seen from them in their last two matches. 
Um, we, we praised their last match. Their last match was very good. I thought this match was better. I thought this was better than their previous match. Interesting. Okay, cool. You know, I enjoyed it because I feel like it had a better structure. I thought it was a little too long. I thought a lot like the uh, Money in the Bank opening match, uh, opening card four-way or whatever, they missed the peak a little in this bout. But um, I won't give away too much. I think you're going to – I think I think um, you, you really should watch it. You piqued my interest. Yeah, I'll definitely check that one out. Because, because also where we're going here, you're going to want to watch it. I'll tell you in a second. First, I'll talk about the main event. Yuji Okabayashi successfully defends the title against uh, Taishi Takazawa. This was pretty good. You know, um, I preferred the tag match, but this was okay. Um, it won't blow you away. I would say that if you're going to go back and watch this show, I would watch the last four matches. Same as the Zero One show. I would go back and watch all four matches. Now, the reason is because on the 510 2AW show, and this is a 2AW podcast now, okay? I don't, uh, I don't make the rules. These, things make, these rules make themselves, okay? The title match, the tag title match main event was Chango and Kaji Tomato defending against Kengo Mishimo and Kunio Toshima, who beat Yoshida and Taylor Adams on the 428 show. Again, simple, effective booking. A tag team wins a big match on one show, they're the number one contenders for the tag team titles on the next show. That's all I need out of my wrestling, Rich. They keep it simple. So, again, I haven't watched it yet, but um, I- I'm really looking forward to that match because I thought Kengo Mishimo and particularly Kunio Toshima in particular were very impressive as a tag team on the 428 show. So I'm looking forward to them mixing it up with Chango and Kaji Tomato, who are the biggest surprise of the year to me. I really believe they're – I cannot think of five tag teams that have had a better year than them. Um, definitely Hangman and Omega. Um, who else? Anyone in WWE? Um, yeah, like early in the year, early in the year, Undisputed Era had a bunch of good tag team matches in WWE. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, New Japan didn't run long enough for any of the tag teams to really make a big impression. Uh, and then you think about the smaller companies. You know, there have been some good tag team title bouts. Um, you know, All Japan. You know, Suwama and Ishikawa, you know, just had that excellent match with Yoshitatsu and, and Junakiyama. There's probably some others I'm forgetting. But I'm confident. I'm confident in my opinion that Chango and Kaiji Tomato of all teams are at minimum a top five tag team this year. Maybe higher. Maybe higher if I really looked at it. I could be forgetting stuff from January and February, which would change my opinion in terms yeah, of. Yeah, which is fair because those were 27 months ago. So, um... But in terms of the empty arena COVID stuff, they, you know, both matches I've seen out of them were great. Yeah, they've been killing it. So, you know, not great in the sense that they're match of the years, but um, so I'm really looking forward to them defending the titles against Kengo Mishimo um, and uh, and Kunio Toshima. Yeah, you got to take and, what you can get. You got to take what you can get these days. So, yes, <laughs> this is a year, a rare year where uh, uh, a Kaiji Tomato team might be the best tag team in the world. But hey. That's fine. It's open on our eyes. Maybe they were. Maybe, you know what I mean? Like, we're watching stuff we, we wouldn't normally have watched. So that's good. That's why I, I've kind of weirdly enjoyed this downtime. Oh, and I want to talk quickly about Tatsuya Hanami because uh, he was one of the guys who lost to Chango and Tomato on the 428 show. He teamed with Kotero Yoshino. He's just a chunky guy. I, he's a typical low level Japanese promotion kind of. I have no use for him. But this Tatsuya Hanami. I don't recall seeing him before. Maybe I did, and he just never made an impression. But he's a young boy. 
I believe in their system, Hanami. And he was really the highlight of that match. I think I looked him up when I was watching the match. I think he's like 23. And uh, he's got maybe one or two years in with uh, with uh, 2AW. Uh, he may have been a Kayantai guy. I don't remember. But he, he's, he's one of their younger young boys. He still wrestles in the black tights and everything. But this Tetsuya Hanami, I thought, was really the standout of, of his team in that match against Chango and Tomato. And then I watched some of the May 10th show, and he worked the opener against Naka Shuma, who's another young wrestler. And this Hanami, I'm attaching myself to this guy right now. Great fire. Uh, his work for a 23-year-old with two years in the business. I mean, he really he, – he, he not only was able to hang in that semi-main event with those veteran guys, but, you know, he held up his end, you know, more than admirably. And I just see a spark in him. He just has something that jumps off the screen that you don't often see in some of these smaller promotions with some of these younger wrestlers. So that's a name I would recommend to remember, Tatsuya Hanami. I would strongly recommend that tag match against Chango and Tomato uh, and keep an eye on him in that match. And then I thought he was very impressive as well in the short opener that he worked on May 10th. So um, I wanted to mention him too. But I think the May 10th show will save for another show. Because um, I haven't even watched the whole thing yet. I haven't watched the top two matches. But um, I wanted to make sure I put over Hanami too because I really enjoyed his work on uh, on both of the shows. So um, this is now a 2AW podcast. We are not a deathmatch podcast anymore. We have, yeah, we have pivoted um, away from the deathmatch, unfortunately. This is no longer a deathmatch podcast. Uh, this is now a two aw slash zero one podcast. So I don't hate it. <laughs> I don't. I don't hate the transition. It's been. Uh, it's been a lot of fun. Uh, real quickly before we get out of here, we we only got a few minutes here. Uh, King of Gates, Dragon Gates, King of Gate tournament, uh, as I said, is starting tomorrow. Uh, we're recording this on the 14th. It starts the 15th on Dragon Gate Network. Now, if you haven't subscribed to Dragon Gate Network before and you're thinking about doing it, uh, it's a pretty terrible streaming service in a lot of ways. The video quality is good. The video quality is very good. I have no issues with that. But stuff comes on and then it goes away after seven days and then it doesn't come back for months. It's a little weird. So if you're thinking about following this this tournament, uh, have a good idea of what matches you want to see, when you want to see them, when they're happening, because you're going to want to watch everything pretty much a day or two after it happens, because weirdly stuff disappears, and if you wait too long, you'll you'll miss out on it. So uh, it's also very clunky to try to get on and, and try to sign up or whatever, but once you eventually get it, I think it's a pretty good service, and it does have a lot of stuff, and I know they've been uploading a lot of old content uh, as well. Just a little bit of a warning that, hey, if you want to subscribe now and then say, hey, I'll, I'll watch all the King of Gate in two weeks, like, don't do not do that, because it'll all be gone by the time you do that, because it's, it's very weird with what they decide to do. But uh, this looks like a pretty fun tournament, and Joe, it's a tournament with stakes. We got 24 wrestlers vying for the King of Gate this year, uh, single elimination tournament. Uh, all empty arenas, of course, and all this was on tape delay, so they recorded these over the last few weeks or the last week or whatever. Uh, but uh, what, what are your overall thoughts of the King of Gate tournament before we kind of run down these brackets? You know, the one company in the world where I never even attempt to predict the booking is Dragon Gate. Yeah, who knows? I, I mean, it could be KZ, it could be Jason Lee, I don't know. Like, I, I, I'm not even going to pretend to attempt. I mean, I, I've... You know, for years, I've followed Dragon Gate and watched Dragon Gate and enjoyed Dragon Gate, and I just... The, the booking is always... For the major promotions, the hardest for me to ever work out. You know, I, I feel like I have a decent handle on New Japan and uh, and and AEW. Now that you're starting to see their booking patterns, I've got a decent handle on them. 
and even places like all Japan, you know, big Japan, just pick whatever the worst decision is. And that's what they're going to do. Uh, even WWE. I mean, you know, it, it's as hard as they are to work out because there's no logic. I'd be more confident trying to predict the booking in WWE than I would Dragon Gate. For whatever reason, I've just always struggled with it, and I'm not going to attempt it here. So I don't have a predicted winner for you. I have no clue. Yeah, that's fine. And and that's uh, one thing that Dragon Gate does well in that sense is that like it never feels like they're just picking a guy at random. It's always like they have the – and we've talked about it before in many, many shows prior is that Dragon Gate does such a great job of keeping everybody – at a pretty decent enough level that you can justify just about any of these people winning this tournament and it going over fine and being a good idea. So that's that's a testament to their booking in a lot of ways. And that's why they're... But they're, it's very different, like you said. You have no clue. It could be Yamato. It could be BB Hulk. It could be Jason Lee. It could be Strong Machine J. You know, no clue. But they do a good job of, of keeping that pretty open. But uh, it's a loaded tournament, man. Dragon Gate's got a fun little roster here. You got Hayo and KZ. is uh, one of your first-round matchups. They will face the winner of Yamato and Rio Saito. Uh, you got Dragon Kid and Diamante versus the winners of Yusuke Santa Maria and Susumu. Uh, Kaito Ishida, Jason Lee, they'll face the winner of BB Hulk and Kesuke Okuda. Uh, Genki Horiguchi and Kai will face the winner of Big R Shimizu and Naroki Doi, the uh, champion right now in Dragon Gate. Uh, Kajitora and Be- uh, Ben K versus the winner of Strong Machine J and Eita. So that's who's the- who's Ben K's opponent? Uh, Kajitora. Okay, so Ben K is going to win that, and then it's super strong. It's Strong Machine J and who? Uh, Ata. Okay. Keep an eye on that little piece of the. Bracket. I was going to say Ben K and Strong Machine J will be pretty fun if that if that's where they go. Well, because they had that match right after Ben K lost the title, and I think they went to a 15 minute draw, if I'm not mistaken. So, there's kind of unfinished business there, and that's kind of the thing. I you know I just got done telling you I can never work out. Dragon <laughs> there before. you go. But but sometimes you get it. Sometimes it it, it, it clicks. But you're reading these matchups off and none of it is making any kind of – they're just – you're reading names out of a phone book. But then when you got to that, it froze me. I'm like, wait a minute. That that kind of I, – I feel like they're going to win and face each other in the next round. Yeah. Because the whole thing there with Ben K is he was coming off losing the title. And it's like he's slumping, right? So he wrestles to a draw with, with the guy. And, um, you know, they're kind of – they're close to the same generation. I know Ben K was a couple years earlier. So I feel like that's going to be a second-round match. Yeah, I, I would agree. Uh, Kazuma Sakamoto and uh, Mochizuki, uh, and they will face the winner of Dragon Dia and Yoshida. So pretty fun. Yeah, there's some pretty cool matchups you know, that you have. I mean, off the top of your head, you got Yamato, who's probably going to make a pretty long run. He's in kind of his own little class at the top of the bracket. Uh, Susumu, I mean, obviously any, anybody that he's in the ring there with, uh, you, you get pretty good stuff. Uh, there, BB Hulk's kind of got a new coat of paint on his career. I'm never a huge BB Hulk fan. He's a little washed at this point, but uh, I'd imagine he goes pretty far. And then Naruki Doi uh, is the champion in this tournament as well. You'd imagine he uh, goes pretty far and that whoever does eventually beat him, if he doesn't win the tournament, they have a, a future title shot coming as well. Well, Dragon Dia is having a very good year. He has been impressive in all of his matches. Um, What was I going to say? The, the thing about... I th- I've lost my train of thought. I was going to say something about Dragon, Dragon Dia... He's having a good year. Keep an eye on him, even if he doesn't advance. Oh, Susumu. Susumu Yokozuka is a guy who I think is probably one of the 20 best wrestlers in the world this year without having a four-star match. He's just, every match he gets in there, it's a professional performance. Yeah, he's reliable as fuck. It's it's unbelievable. Yeah, the All Japan stuff with Akira Francesca uh, in particular. And, you know, um, 
you know, he, he, earlier this year, he was so good. All his Dragon Gate matches, he's, you know, you put him in a Dragon Gate tag or six man tag, and he's generally the glue that holds everything together. Um, he's having a notable year without having like a notable match. Right. Like, which is kind well, of the rub always for, I mean, it's assumable sometimes that he'll pop a few matches here and there, but he's like the most like reliable as fuck guy in the yeah. world. He's unbelievable. He's just, he, yeah. His baseline is just always good, <laughs> like always great. Yeah. And he won't have a match that cracks the top, you know, 30 for match of the year. But, um, you know, he, he's still, every time I watch him wrestle, I'm like, man, that guy's a pro's pro. Yeah. You know, that, that Akira match is just, there's two matches this year where I'm just blown away by the participants, even though they're not like match of the year contenders. There's that match with Susumu, who had literally the perfect match with Akira Francesca. I mean, it was just a perfect match with the good Italian boy. And the other match was the Lance Archer Colt Cabana match on Dynamite a few weeks ago in the title tournament where they told the perfect story for that match. And it was just two pros out there having a professional match that just, they both were just perfect in their roles. They told the perfect story. You know, Archer looked dominant without squashing Cabana, which is so hard to do. You know, Cabana got just enough to where it didn't hurt Archer's aura or stop his momentum. And Archer still came across looking dominant as fuck. Without totally destroying Cabana. That's such a tricky balance. But what you had were two guys in their 40s who've been doing this forever. You know, a combined almost 50 years probably between the two of them. Or at least over 40 years, right? I mean, or close to it. And, you know, they just knew how to go out there and work that match. And have like, and that's why I am anti-star rating sometimes. Like, to me, that's a five-star match because it was perfect. But you can't put five stars on that. Because the star scale is based on main event. Yes, epic. the spectacular. Yeah, the yes. spectacular, not the, you know, that, that match that did exactly what it needed to do. It was perfect for the moment. Yeah, but the scale is scaled towards main event epics being a five, being what is five stars. Yeah. And, but it's like those two matches for me this year are two of my favorite matches of the year because the participants were just so damn good. And I don't want to downplay Akira in his match against the sumo because he played his role of perfection too. But clearly it was Susumu pulling the strings in that match and going in there with this young kid and knowing exactly what he needed to do to get the perfect match out of that kid and advance that kid's story because Akira was the story there and his advancements and, and all of that more so than Susumu who's going to you know lose that title later on and then you know never come back to the company. He's an outsider. You know, he's going to go back to Dragon Gate and whatever the fuck. And he knew, you know, how to work that match to perfect, and he did. So, you know, um, Susumu is just a joy to watch, and I don't know if he'll go far in this thing or lose in the first round, but he's a guy where I will never skip his matches. So that is the King of Gate tournament. I am uh, planning on watching it because uh, i got nothing else to do, so I will be planning on watching uh, most of that, so I'm sure we'll be talking about it in the coming weeks because we, uh, of course, in between our 2AW and 0-1 discussions, I'm sure we'll, we'll talk some Dragon Gate. Yes, this is a 2AW and 0-1 podcast. In fact, we may just lead off with that 510-2AW show. <laughs> you know, we might. You know, there's no rules anymore, man. Yeah, you know, we're we'll not going to We'll that. get to Double or Nothing. Don't worry. We'll preview Double or Nothing eventually, but we got to talk about this 2AW show first. Double or Nothing. Hour three. Yeah, active advanced wrestling, baby. Let's go. I got a Chango and Kaiji Tomato big title defense to talk about here. Okay? Double or Nothing can wait. But, uh, yeah, we'll have the Double or Nothing preview next week. 
the double or nothing review the week after that. It doesn't stop. You know, and Japan's just picking up. Yeah, we got so. a twenty four person tournament starting tomorrow. You, you know what I mean? Like, you know, you think we're gonna stop? You think we don't have content? Get out of here. And even Rich blew off the Noah. Yeah. We got the Noah. You know, there's all kinds of shit to talk about. If I get real desperate, I'll slap on the DDT. Who knows? But uh yeah, it, it never stopped. Two months ago, Rich was like sending me messages, Joe. We're going to have to recommend matches to each other every week. You got to think of some matches. We got to do the Joe and Rich recommend matches. Got to do some old content. And then, uh, you know, here we are nine weeks later and we're pushing too much. Yeah, there's too much. We're we're over three hours at this point. Yeah, we're still pushing things to next week. Like, you know, nine weeks into this. So. Anyway, wrap it up, Rich. Yeah, that's it. So anyway, that's uh, that's then the Voices of Wrestling flagship podcast. Of course, voiceswrestling.com slash Patreon if you want to hear more of Joe and I. Uh, no, Joe Vember to remember. You had one of those uh, last week. The In Your House, In Your House series is going on right now. I'm doing uh, going back and looking at all the In Your House main events uh, in history, so it's a lot of fun there. The Q&As, we've been doing some call-in Q&As. Those have been really, really fun. Uh, we also have uh, Joe's TV reviews. Uh, we have all the good stuff, your written content as well. All that is at voicesofwrestling.com slash Patreon tiers for every price budget as well. $1, $5, and $10 tiers. Uh, also, voicesofwrestling.com for all the other stuff that we do on the website, all of our previews, reviews, uh, and columns. We've got some really good columns as of late uh, as well on the site. Uh, Case Lowe did uh, two columns on Kenta Kobashi and the best matches of Kenta Kobashi's career, uh, as well as uh, the best matches of Drummond Saruta's career as well. So those are must-reads. Uh, John Hernandez did a great one about uh, Necro Butcher and Homicide. So it's not stopping, man. If you think all these other websites or, or you know, oh my god, what are we gonna do for content? We're good. We got plenty here. Voiceswrestling.com, Voice Wrestling uh, uh, Podcast Network, and of course, Voice Wrestling on uh, Patreon, voiceofwrestling.com slash Patreon. So for Joe, Jan- oh, Jesus Christ, for Joe Lanza, I'm Rich Crate. We'll talk to you guys next time on the Voice Wrestling Flagship Podcast. Take care. <laughs>